Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I am Caroline Chang, host and producer of Awake to Oneness Radio. Today, I am launching a new series. The title of the series is Truth and Freedom. Can we please have a conversation? And I just recorded a conversation with me and Dr. Richard Fleming. Um, actually, the, the whole podcast or whole show went totally different than what I expected, but that's actually kind of a good thing because you will get to witness two people that don't agree that are having a conversation that does not turn into an argument our fight, our debate. Now, I always say and have always say and live by this truth. I do not fight. I do not argue. I do not debate. Because those three things, to argue, to fight, or debate, is to try to impose your belief or what your perspective, your belief, or how you feel onto someone else. Okay? You can have a conversation with someone that you totally disagree with. And it does not have to turn into an argument because it, uh, it is all about vibration. It's all about energy. And again, the main point of this series that I just started today is to show, to demonstrate to people that two people that disagree can have a conversation and not turn it into an argument. And at the end of the conversation, they just agree to disagree but they still have love and respect for each other, at least respect, okay? I take it to the next level. I still have love and respect for that person I disagree with. And it didn't. I did not know until I recorded this show how much I did not agree with Dr. Richard Fleming. Have nothing but love and respect for him, but there is a lot we do not see eye to eye on. So that was actually perfect. I mean, um, I thought the show was going to be more about what we thought, what I thought we had in common um, when I was on the phone, a uh, phone conversation with Dr. Fleming. Uh, he mentioned uh, he thought that we all agree on about 70 percent. And so I actually made a list of 70 percent. And I have a PowerPoint I'm going to share with you with that 70%. I never got a chance in my conversation with Dr. Fleming, I never got a chance to actually share what I thought we were going to all be in agree, what we were going to be in agreement on. Um, he does in the recording, he does share what he thinks that most um, of the doctors that are speaking up um, for the truth and freedom movement, um, what he feels um, they're in agreement on. So you'll hear his 70%. I'm going to share my 70% now. So I'm going to actually share it with a PowerPoint. So I'm going to share my screen. 
Okay, actually it's on the wrong slide. So let's see if I can get it to go to the right side. Okay, there we go. Now it's on the first slide. And let's see if I can now, of course, okay, I can't find my mouse. There we go. Here we go. Okay. All right. This is what I actually um, typed up before I recorded the show. And I never really got a chance to get into this. So I definitely want to share this with you. Okay. Number one, the globalist elite have been deliberately destroying humanity for eons. And since March 2020, they have declared full-on war on human beings as a species. Their admitted intention is to transform humanity from living, breathing human beings into transhuman, human 2.0, and transhumanism. Number two, the mainstream media, media and news is a CIA mind control program named Project Mockingbird. This was uncovered in the, in the 1950s. The news is controlled and owned by Big Pharma and the governmental arm of the globalist elite. Number three, in 2020, there was no pandemic. From the true definition of a pandemic, there was no excess deaths in 2020. This can be proven easily with real world data from life insurance companies and funeral homes. Number four, the death rate worldwide increased drastically with the rollout of these COVID shots. I will not call them vaccines because they do not meet the true definition of a vaccine. That was not even their intended goal admitted by the companies that manufactured these injections. They admitted their intended goal was to reduce severe illness, hospitalization, and death. They have always admitted that a person will still, can still get COVID and still spread COVID even if they get these injections. Point number five, all the measures that were taken were meant to harm the public, like mask wearing, social distancing, uh, staying inside and taking an experimental gene therapy injection. All these measures are harmful to people's health. Number six, the CDC Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, known as VAERS, data has been deliberately hidden from the public. An independent study of the VAERS reporting system was done in 2015 by Harvard University. In that study, it showed that less than 1% of vaccine injuries and deaths are reported to VAERS. Therefore, even if we estimate that in 2021, that only 10% of the vaccine injuries and deaths were reported to VAERS, the number would be outrageously high. Number seven, we are experiencing worldwide genocide before our eyes. And many people have no clue this is going on. Number eight, which I made really big, 
this must now this one we did agree on <laughs> uh dr fleming and myself we agreed number eight there must be an immediate stop to these COVID injections worldwide the mass murderers responsible for global genocide must be imprisoned for life so that actually is the goal uh, and that's why I wanted to start this new series of truth and freedom. Can we have, can we please have a conversation? Because what the globalists want to do is divide and conquer. So I want to do what I can do to unite the truth and freedom movement, because what we disagree on is unimportant compared to stopping the mass murder of children, women, men, the elderly, we must stop this mass murder. And now they are coming after our children. Um, I live close to New York. I live in Pennsylvania. I have a friend in New York that told me the other day that the mayor of New York City said children cannot go back to school unless they have this experimental bioweapon injected into them. So if I was a parent living in New York City, which would never happen because I'm not a city person. I love the mountains. I love the country. But anyway, if I was a parent in New York City, there's no way I would send my child to school. Okay, next slide. Okay, here's the CDC VAERS report as of June 24th, 2022. So actually this started... December, the day they started um, giving these injections was December 14th, 2020. And um, the last update that I got was June 24th, 2022. So um, a little close. Now we're going on a year and a half, a year and a half of these injections. And you can see the data. Now, here's the thing about this data. Remember in 2015, Harvard did an independent study of the VAERS report finding that less than 1% is reported. So I'm gonna give, I'm gonna say for COVID shots, we're gonna up that to 10%. So, and I, I'm like, that's being generous. So if we up these numbers that you're seeing on the screen right now to 10, of only 10, we're looking at only 10% of the harm that is being caused by these injections. Okay, the world population as I see it, and I think many others, is broken down into 30, 40, 30. Okay, that 40, 30, I'm sorry, that 30, top 30 is people know what I just shared, everything I just shared, all 8.8 .8 points that I just shared, people are awake and they know. And those people are doing what they can to put an end to it, either by sharing with family or friends, doing whatever they can. Because when you're awake and you know you got to do something. So 30% of the world is awake and they're doing something about it. Okay, 40% know they have been lied to. However, they are too afraid to speak up and take action. That's 40% of the world. They can see with their eyes, okay. 
you're not telling me the truth. Many of them have turned off the news. Many of them have turned off CNN and MSNBC. Thank you. That's a, that, And that's actually a good step right there, just turning off that news. Turning off the line news is a good step right there. But um, they're still afraid to speak up and they're afraid to take action. And then the other 30%, the bottom 30% are completely asleep and just want to believe, they want to believe the government and the mainstream news. Um, they're putting their head, many of them are just putting their head in the sand. They can hear the rumbling, but the, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear. So, um, and all I do is send them love and light. I never, I never argue. I never tell them, you, you know, I never do anything but send that sleeping 30% love and light. I share, I keep sharing. I've got several people that block me now. I can't share with them because they're like, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear. But um, what that, the, don't argue, don't fight with the sleeping sheeple. Um, love them. Love them as best you can. Sometimes you have to love them from a distance, but just love them and send them love and light. That is my best suggestion and advice to, and don't even, please do not argue with them. Just send them love and light. Okay. Now the whole mission of this new series that I'm doing is to unify the truth and freedom movement. We must stay united. The globalist elite have controlled humanity with divide and conquer for eons. I will repeat that the globalist elite have controlled humanity with divide and conquer for eons. We stand, when we stand together united, we are strong. United we stand, divided we fall. Even though the light has already won, okay? We are not going to fall. The light is so much more powerful than the darkness. And it only takes a little bit of light to shine through all that darkness and transform that darkness back into light from which it came. Because we've all come from the light. So it's all about uniting. Do not argue with people that disagree. Share your truth in love and light. It either resonates with someone or it doesn't, and just keep it moving. But with this show that I'm doing, with this series, I wanna show how two people that do not agree can have a conversation. So that is what's really important to me here. So I'm gonna stop sharing my screen now. Okay, there you go. I'm back. <laughs> All right. So now I'm going to um, let you guys listen. <laughs> I'm, I have to smile because I just can't believe how that conversation went. It just That's the other thing about conversations. Sometimes you can say, I'm going to have a conversation with this person and it doesn't go anywhere you thought it would go. Okay. First of all, you guys know I'm not a scientist. And Richard likes to get into a lot of scientific stuff that I'm like, if you're talking to another scientist, yeah, yeah I'm not one. But anyway, uh, yeah, definitely, I just have to stress, this conversation did not go 
the way I thought it was going to go. But in much of what Richard said, I do not agree with. Um, but we did not argue. We ended the conversation on a positive, loving note. And that is the point of my show. Okay, so you guys enjoy. Bye for now. Welcome to Awake to Oneness Radio. I am Caroline Chang, your host. And today I am starting launching a new series. The title of the series is Truth and Freedom. Can we please have a conversation? My guest today is Dr. Richard Fleming. Thank you, Dr. Fleming, for being my guest today. So I want to share with our audience how we connected. Um, I, I'm going to actually start from a year ago <laughs> before we connected. Uh, last year, I was on tour with Sasha Stone and Robert David Steele. I was actually the volunteer production manager of the tour. Volunteer. So I, I, I actually do more volunteer work than work I get paid for because I only do what resonates in my heart and not all the time that's paid work, which is fine with me. Um, but um, so I was on that tour last year and uh, in the middle of that tour, it kind of broke apart. And I remember back then um, I had mentioned to one of the tech guys that were working with us I'm not taking a side, you know, I love both. Yeah, I love everybody. I'm not taking a side. And so this year, um, as soon as I saw, heard of Crimes um, Against Humanity Tour USA, and I went to the website and they were looking for volunteers, I do what I do, I volunteer. So I volunteered, I met Nash um, and was doing some work for the um, tour. And then with, in a short time, the tour kind of broke off. Kind of, for myself, I was like, deja vu, what's going on here? And um, But I've had a long conversation with you, a long conversation with Nash, and I, me, I am all about unity and oneness, but in this endeavor that we're all working towards, crimes against humanity, what has been going on the last two, almost two and a half years now, of the world, we, I know that we need to come together. And you said something at the end of our conversation that we had the other day, you said that you believe that all of the speakers agree on about 70% of the big picture. And the big picture is what we, what I don't want us to lose sight of, because the big picture is so much more important than the things you guys disagree on. You know, I understand mainly what you disagree on is um, expert scientist um, stuff. <laughs> I'll say stuff because I'm not a scientist, but um, it's important for us, for uh, us as truth speakers, uh, uh, trying to um, let the, the lay person understand what's going on. And when the lay person sees scientists going back and forth, they're like, oh, I don't, I don't understand what either one of them are saying. And so I don't know what to believe. So we don't want that to happen. We want 
to bring people to understand the big picture. And so um, from what you said about the 70%, I actually um, have a bullet point of eight points that I like us to go over one at a time, if that's good. But before, before we do that, um, please, you share with our listeners how you got involved and why you got involved with the Crimes Against Humanities Tour USA. Well, I, I got involved because Nath and Nisa, uh, who are the project coordinators, reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to, in fact, be a part of that. Um, they had originally... Um, been looking at a team of individuals the year before to uh, talk about their concerns with SARS-CoV-2, which is the name of the virus, where COVID-19 is the actual disease that occurs from that. Mm -hmm. um, I have done, this is my 54th year of doing research now. So I'm a, a physicist, nuclear cardiologist attorney, um, and have spent obviously more than half a century now <laughs> thinking about it in those terms, doing research, um, actively involved in teaching as well. So I'm familiar with people coming into a classroom uh, with different backgrounds and different levels of understanding. I'm also unfortunately aware of some students who come into class who think they know more than the professor that typically you just think, well, then you should go teach your own class because you're clearly not here to learn anything. Um, <clears throat> And so I represent probably the scientific model, uh, I, I would argue, better than Anthony Fauci, because um, uh, as, I've, as I've taken apart a lot of the data that's involved with this, uh, he and I would have some fundamental discussion points that we would need to uh, address. The, um, the request, <clears throat> uh, originally, my understanding was that came from Judy Mikovits to include me in the program because uh, I did not know who Judy was, but she knew who I was. Mm -hmm. um, when I originally reached out to her, I, I sent her an email and I said, I don't know if you know who I am. People suggest that I should connect with you. So I'm sending you an email and she said, oh my God, I know who you are. You're the man who developed the theory I use. Mm -hmm. um, not not 100% correctly, I might add, <laughs> as, I, as I have come to listen to her use my theory, and I, I, I think I do have the right, uh, as the guy who developed it, to kind of critique what people say about it. Um, it has become the accepted model, but it explains why people uh, have a lot of health problems, including why a virus like COVID-19 would, in fact, then lead to a disease state, which is called coronavirus disease, first detected in 2019 or COVID-19. So one's a virus, one's a disease. Um, <clears throat> and then I, I have a patented method that allows me to measure what's going on inside the body real time. It's the only patent that I'm aware of that can quantify mm -hmm. changes in tissue and metabolism. And so I use that in some research uh, early on in 2020. And because of just simply who I am as an individual, as I began delving into that, I began investigating the origins of this virus and and, uh, you know, that certainly led to me having uh, information that is critical to understand, I think, at this point in time, and, and I would argue today is no exception to that. Uh, so I was asked to be a part of that tour. My focus, um, which became the focus of the tour, 
was to bring that information forward to help people understand. I understand, you know, I realize viruses are not an easy concept for people to wrap their brains around. If I were to pick something to try to confuse people, I would pick prions or viruses or things like that that are completely beyond most people's experience or understanding. It, just simply because it does take a fair amount of time to dig into the basics to get to the level that one needs to really fully appreciate it. And that doesn't mean that you can't kind of get a handle on it because as a physicist, I would I would make the simple statement that most people don't have a clue how electricity works, but it doesn't bother you flipping on the switch every day. So right. Right. Um, the uh, uh, so my approach uh, came from that, and my focus uh, in dealing with that is uh, to make certain that the people that have been involved in the violations of several treaties and laws in the development of these gain-of-function uh, biological agents should be, at, at a minimum, put in prison. For um, life. This, <laughs> this um, uh, for however long that might be, yes. Um, the, the other people that were asked to then join, and everybody came with the agreement, uh, two basic agreements. One, that this was about criminal action and not civil action, not mm -hmm. litigation for money. And number two, anything that was going to be presented had to be something that could be proven scientifically mm -hmm. because going into a court of law, if you go in with material that is not based upon science, that you can't prove is gonna be shot down. And I don't think you have to be an attorney, um, which I am. You, but you don't have to be one to realize that if you go into a court of law and something like this and you're presenting nonsense that can't be proven, it will not take long for the other side to take you apart and we might as well not even go to court under those circumstances. So I guess that's a brief uh, intro on that. Very, very good. Well, it, we have enough, we have a connection because Judy, <laughs> I sure. um, first met <laughs> Judy uh, January of 21 um, on the beach of uh, Huntington Beach, California, because we were both speaking at an event. Um, it was unmasked event at that time. Oh, I think the shots had been just come out the month before or a few weeks before, honestly, because I <clears throat> we were there actually uh, New Year's, the day after New Year's Day, uh, January 2nd. And I think they just, so it was two weeks into them giving these shots. But so at that folk, that event was talking, we were both speaking about masks. And that's how mm -hmm. Judy and I met. And we, you know, we stayed in touch from then. Um, the other thing, when you mentioned Anthony Fauci, um, and I know he has a medical degree and he's some sort of a, I guess, scientist, but from all of the speakers that I've heard, um, um, there's nothing coming out of his mouth that is true. <laughs> uh, I don't know, would you agree on that? Um, no, uh, okay. some of what he's saying is true. And that's, I think that's part of the uh, dichotomy or problem that people are wrestling with. And that one of the reasons why there's so much um, 
controversy between people is that I think there is this underlying sense of um, either love or hatred for Anthony Fauci, depending upon what side of the equation you're on, right? And I think that all too often people get caught into the, I don't like that person, so everything they say has to be wrong. And anybody who says the opposite of that person, I'm going to follow them even if I walk up the edge of a cliff. Um, and that's and that's a problem. That's a problem. hundred um, percent. Because you know there there are some things that Anthony Fauci has mentioned that came up as an issue behind why this group broke up. One is the concept of asymptomatic carriers. Right. And the truth of the matter is that everybody when they first get infected is an asymptomatic carrier. You're symptomatic because when you get exposed to something and your immune system kicks in, there's chemicals that are released as in, in the first part, it's called the innate, I-N-N-A-T-E system, mm -hmm. which is, has to do with T cells. Mm -hmm. And when those chemicals start to get released, there's inflammation, there's blood clotting, you get congested, you have an elevated temperature, you develop symptoms. So for the first three to five days, you do not, you're, you're asymptomatic and you are a carrier. Now, you know, you don't have to be a physicist to realize that people that are coughing and sneezing are probably spreading more than people that aren't coughing and sneezing. But it doesn't mean that people that aren't coughing and sneezing aren't spreading a virus. I mean, that's just logical. Um, Reiner Fumick, who, um, you know, was, you know, just to let your audience know, the only reason why I responded to what was being said was because of things that were being said about me and about the conference. And I was, we were setting out to correct those. We were not the ones, uh, we, I mean, Nash, Nisha and I were not the ones who set out to attack. We were responding to attacks being placed on us. In fact, Rainer Fumek has gone back to Germany and been, and been attacking me in German where he doesn't realize that I'm aware of, of what he's saying. But, you know, I can speak a little German and I have a lot of friends that are very good at translating German for me. Um, so I know what's being said. And at some point in time, you kind of have to rectify part of that record. Mm -hmm. um, and, and one of the things that Reiner Fumek was saying was that there is no such thing as asymptomatic carriers. And then he would quote a paper from Wuhan. Mm -hmm. Now, the reality is that paper shows the exact opposite. <laughs> it, uh, it shows that there are asymptomatic carriers. And he would proceed by saying, oh, there's only 300. They only found 300. Yeah, they found 300 asymptomatic carriers. And if you read through the entire paper, which a person should, and I present it now on some of the slides, what they show is that the asymptomatic carriers are at dead center of where the infections are. They're not where the infections aren't, which ought to make sense, even if you're not a scientist. You ought to be able to say, well, I think you'd find the asymptomatic carriers where the disease is, not where the disease isn't. But to say that there's no such thing as an asymptomatic carrier and people like Anthony Fauci are lying to you when they say asymptomatic carrier um, goes in the face of the published data. It, it, it says the opposite of the papers he's quoting and most mothers, I think, fathers ought to, too, but, you know, I always get this from mothers. We know kids are asymptomatic carriers. They go to school, they get sick, they come back, they spread this stuff. Yeah, moms 
congratulations. You got enough enough common sense that you know there's something going on where other kids maybe aren't as sick, but they're spreading it to your children, right? And that's how this works. Um, <clears throat> the other thing that FEMA kept attacking was the PCR test. Like I said, because I, he oh, wants. Oh, wait, the, I, I don't want you to go into because I actually want to address sure. the, the asymptomatic. So, so that's oh, okay. thing I want to say. Let's do one one point at a time. Okay. So sure. I, I okay. okay. So I because you mentioned to the, me you mentioned mm -hmm. to me about this when we were on the phone the other day, and mm -hmm. when you spoke about asymptomatic carriers, you said three. In, it's three to five days. I wrote that down, and so. Mm -hmm. Uh, if a person caught something and then they no, no symptoms for three to five days, um, then within three to five days, they're going to have the symptoms. But from my understanding, there were many, 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 many people, I don't have a number, that tested mm. positive and mm. never got any symptoms. So, right. That, so, that, okay. 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 Uh, well, so, what I'm saying, uh, uh, let me just finish my thought here. So what I'm saying is when I hear asymptomatic carrier and somebody tests positive and they never get sick, what is that? I mean, when I... You, they, okay, yeah, okay they, so I got it. I got okay. it. So let me try to explain to you. Okay. So asymptomatic means you, you basically have minimal symptoms, right? But I think all of us know and have been around a lot of people for as many years as we've been alive, mm -hmm. that some people get sicker than others, okay? Some people, for a variety of reasons, their immune system, you know, they didn't get as much of it. Let, let's just stick with viruses. They didn't get as much of a viral load. So they didn't have as much to react to, so they became less symptomatic. Other people can't mount an immune response, you know? HIV uh, brought everybody's attention to something called acquired immune deficiency syndrome, mm -hmm. an immune deficiency that could be acquired for a variety of reasons, one of those being the HIV virus. Mm -hmm. But there's other reasons for that. Diabetics tend to have less of an immune response. They tend to have a poor immune system. Americans that are overweight and have all the things that I've talked about in the theory that was actually part of that original theory that I published in 1994, mm -hmm. um, unhealthy individuals tend to have poor responses. You know, so many of the things that we talk about that are beneficial for people is to get the weight down, get diabetes under control, improve the quality of your immune system. And then your immune system will be healthy. Then we've removed those variables of you can't really respond well to, okay, now the response is going to be based upon how much of it you got exposed to. We know everybody knows people who've been exposed to, for lack of a better way of doing this, sexually transmitted diseases and haven't gotten SF, you know, whether it's herpes simplex one or two or a variety of diseases. So everybody responds a little differently on the level of symptoms they have. Okay. So you could go through, um, I mean, if your immune system at three to five days, the innate, the I-N-N-A-T-E system doesn't mount much of a response, that's one of the reasons why we have this backup system that kicks in at seven to 10 days. It's called either the adaptive or the humoral, H-U-M-O-R-A-L system, which is the system that makes the antibodies. Mm 
<clears throat> and so that's kind of a backup system. Not all animals have that. Okay. Um, humans have that. Okay. And and there's a benefit to having that, but there's also a harm to having that. So you can make antibodies, for example, to strep throat, uh, a bacterial infection of the throat, streptococcus pneumoniae. And the problem with that, the reason why cardiologists like myself and, and hopefully other doctors get concerned is that we really don't want you to make any antibodies to that because those antibodies that will attack that bacteria might also attack the valves of your heart because the proteins look similar mm -hmm. and that can produce rheumatic heart disease and then you might end up needing valve replacements down the line. So just because we can make antibodies doesn't necessarily mean it's a good thing. Yeah, there's, it's a two-edged sword, right? So <clears throat> that explains hopefully some of why there's this variability of symptoms, you know, mm -hmm. when somebody gets in a car accident, why, why does one person say, well, they don't really notice anything. And another person would go, I, I hurt all over. Right. Those are the differences in human beings, you right. know? Um, I, I agree. Uh, human beings are extremely right. unique. Mm -hmm. right. That's why no one mm -hmm. size fits all. For human beings, and um, the other, my other question about the asymptomatic, why? Okay, I think a lot of people are saying, why did this just come up in 2020? If this is asymptomatic sim carriers have been around for eons, why is it such a big thing in 2020? All of a sudden. Well, it's been a big deal before. Now, I just think the general population hasn't paid much attention to it. Okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is a. What, what, one of the things that this has done is this has brought front and center for many people. I mean, again, I was a medical student when HIV hit the scenes. I was there. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in contrast to many people that talk about this, I was a medical student when HIV hit the scenes. Um, and I got to see and experience what that was like. And there were a lot of things that you know, had been talked about beforehand, but people really didn't have a good focus on it. Now, suddenly, a lot of people got a real good education, but the general public, I think, by and large, didn't, <clears throat> you know. Okay. This has impacted much more of the general public. I mean, this has impacted the world, yeah. um, and it's done so in such a way that it has gotten attention in ways that other things have not. I mean, we haven't shut down planet Earth before, um right and back you, back when do you think that what they did basically i'll say <clears throat> Fauci and crew was the right steps to take in 2020 okay so that i mean that's a broad question um right. if you right so i mean one of the things that i point out in the tour is that in 2007 there was a National Science Foundation study that was done and paid for that was conducted at Indiana University and in France and in Italy. And the purpose of that study was to say, if we think there is going to be a pandemic, what do we do? And that study, which was paid for by National Science Foundation monies in an infectious disease category said you immediately shut down international travel to stop the spread of whatever is going on, right? <clears throat> so as an example, when the decision was being made in January and February of 2020, should we shut down international flights? 
you know, the then president of the United States is clearly not a scientist and punted because that's what he would have to do as a non-scientist, uh, said, let's shut down travel. Where Anthony Fauci, as director of the National Institutes of Allergies and Infectious Disease, said no. Now, my response to that is, well, we have one of three scenarios, and I don't care which one you want to choose, but let me lay them out for you. Either the head of NIAID was unaware of a National Science Foundation study done in the field that he's responsible for. Mm -hmm. He was aware of it, read it, and didn't understand it. Or he was aware of it, read it, understood it, and advised to the contrary. So I, it doesn't matter which one of those three you pick. I would argue that that was a mistake. Now, people... I guess the best way to answer that question is people have asked me if I had been in his shoes. Mm -hmm. And then I always have to temper that by saying, and not having been involved in the development of a biological weapon that, <laughs> you know, he right. was involved in. But let's presume I'm, I'm in that position and wasn't aware of that. Right. What would I have done? And what I, and, and, so I'm, I'm, I don't pull punches with people. I'm, I just tell people the, the facts, the science, and what I would do in response to that. Um, I would have gone on national television, and I would have said, ladies and gentlemen, we have a problem. We don't know exactly the severity of this. Mm -hmm. We don't know um, the consequences of this. But it's something that has apparently now is, is a concern. And we are concerned about the spread of it. So I would like to encourage people as much as possible to try to stay home, to allow us a period of time to isolate this and not spread it. If you are sick, please do what we, we doctors have told you for decades, which is stay home, don't spread it to people, right. Right. you know, if you're symptomatic. Right. Please yeah. do the things that we've talked about with better care of yourself, better hand washing, better reduction of transmissibility. Mm -hmm. So we can get a handle on this because at that point in time, again, if I'm looking at it from January of 2020, I would have had to say, we know there's a problem. We don't know how significant it's going to be. We don't know how contagious it is. We don't know what the ramifications are going to be. And we're asking you to help us. Um, and I understand it could be uh, problematic and, and, you know, some of you may feel that you can't stay home, that you must work. And I get that. However, if you become symptomatic, if, if there's any inkling, you know, one of the things that, that the CDC data does show early okay. on okay. is that when, when, when PCR testing was done, there was a reduction in excess deaths. And as I look at that data, what that very compellingly tells me is that people who weren't certain whether they were infected or not got a PCR test and said, look, it's positive. I am going to do the right thing. I am not going to go out under the premise that I could have something that could infect somebody else. I'm going to stay home. And, I, and what, that, what that does it shows us the benefit of voluntary action by people mm -hmm. given a concern for other individuals. Right. And, and, that's, and that is exactly what the Johns Hopkins study that 
then was published sometime in the last year that looked at over, I want to say it was over, I know it was over 20,000 papers of which only 28 were worth analyzing. Mm -hmm. And the data out of that showed that 90% of the benefit that occurred was voluntary um, isolation of people staying home when they thought they could spread something and better hand washing, 90% of that. And so, you know, what, what the 2007 studies showed us was they knew that they needed to do something to restrict the movement of the virus and the people with the virus. Um, and, and the Hopkins study confirmed that people who voluntarily quarantined themselves because they thought they were ill for what, whatever reason, whether that was a PCR test or symptoms, dramatically reduced excess deaths and then hand washing, of course, in which I always tell during presentations, guys, I've gone to bathrooms with you for decades. For the love of God, start washing your hands because I see you. You don't even wash your hands when you come out of the bathroom. And, it, you know, um, these are the basics that your parents taught you to do. Um, and And if we would practice these, you know, we wouldn't be transmitting as much from person to person. Right. Okay. So now, I, I mean, that's a long answer that some of what Anthony Fauci has said makes sense, some of it not. Okay. But you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. With the bathwater. I agree with you 100% about, um, I have nothing but love for Anthony Fauci. <clears throat> I even um, put together a thank you song uh, two years ago for Anthony Fauci and crew. And it was a sincere thank you. Um, my sincere thank you is because their actions is waking up humanity to see what's actually happening in the world. But actually, there's several things, and I didn't really, I mean, for me, this show was not going to, wasn't supposed to be about a scientific discussion, because I'm not, it's a, a scientist talking to a layperson. But I can actually tell you what resonates with me as far as um, 2020, the beginning of this whole thing, um, I, I believe it was just us, uh, it was not pandemic numbers. Um, it was a test now finding out that people saying people have this virus, but the, the creator of the test who happened to somehow pass away in December of 2019, says mm -hmm. you cannot um, detect an, uh, a virus or illness with the PCR test. It's a tool for magnifying um, what you're looking at um, and even the cycles, because even Anthony Fauci said after 35 cycles, it's no good. And they in and, and the UK and places in the US, they were using a where up to 45 cycles. The more cycles, the more positives. Um, from everything I've heard, and I've listened to Kerry Mullis, the inventor of the technology, everything I've heard tells me the PCR test is not telling us anything. And, and honestly, um, with, and if we look at the real world data, real world data, real world deaths from insurance, life insurance companies, real world deaths from funeral homes, 
That's where you can get the real world, not from what CDC or anybody else or Anthony Fauci. I don't listen to them. I look at the real world data. If you look at the real world data, there was, there was no excess deaths in 2020. All cause, all cause mortality was not in excess in 2020. All cause mortality went through the roof in 2021 <laughs> after the rollout of these shots. That is what I go. I look at the real world data. I listen mm -hmm. to many, 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 many scientists, and I'm not a scientist. But when I I I I know what you're what as far as the gain of function and all the stuff that Fauci did back in the 90s, all the way up to today, which um, clearly in there's a I don't know if you ever looked at the uh, Fauci dossier, which was put together by mm -hmm. David Martin back in yes, January 21, end of January 2021. And every AG in the country, attorney general in the country has hundreds if not thousands of copies of that dossier because people kept sending it and said, I hand deliver it to the district attorney's office. And one of his aides took it, but then in a few days, they gave it back to me. I went to that to the sheriff's department with that dossier. He would not even take it. He sent me to his lawyer across the street. I went to the lawyer across the street when the lawyers, it kind of like the man literally ran from me and hid. They know what's in that dossier is clear evidence of crimes from Anthony Fauci and others. And, and that I'm sure you would agree on. I didn't really want to get into the science because I'm not a scientist, but I know what resonates on my heart and soul and my heart and soul has never been wrong. My heart and soul told me to turn off that news in 2001. I have not watched news in over 20 years. And people's like, well, how do you know what's going on? I know what's going on because I don't watch the news, okay? I just, you know, so when you say not everything out of Anthony Fauci's mouth is a lie, for me, everything that was done, the social distancing, the masking, the, the staying inside. Now, as far as symptomatic, whenever you have a the, the people love to call and say, I got to call, I can't come in. Symptomatic, people stay home. We've been doing that for centuries. You don't have to tell people to stay home if you're symptomatic, okay? And if this asymptomatic thing has been going on for centuries, okay, every year there's a flu um, season. Every year it changes. Every year people get it, they recover. People with the strongest immunity are the people that stay healthy naturally. Eat healthy, exercise, keep their body healthy naturally. Mm -hmm. I have not been to a doctor, a medical doctor since 1998. And I will never go to a medical doctor. I, only thing to me Western medicine is good for is, uh, was it um, uh, emergency care? Uh, what's it, what, trauma. Trauma, they're great at. You've been in a car accident and you're all, and you need to be put back together. They're great at that, nothing else. So we kind of, this, <laughs> this whole conversation took a whole different turn than what I thought yeah. because I was yeah. under the impression when you said that 
70% of the speakers are on the same page. That's what I wanted to focus on. I wanted to focus on, on the things that we're on the same page. Right. And from the speakers that I've heard speak, Anthony Fauci is not, did not portray the truth to the world. And in the early 2020, there was no pandemic numbers. People were not falling out in the street like they tried to show these videos of people falling out in the street in Wuhan. That did not happen. The hospitals were not filled. There were nurses. The hospitals were empty. And there were nurses putting up these dancing videos because they, they had nothing to do. So let's, let's put together a dancing video. There was no pandemic in 2020. Everything from real world data, anybody with eyes to see can see there was no pandemic. So now, yes, the gain of function and, and yes, them trying to make it where it, it, it was more deadly. I, I don't take that away from anybody, but it didn't do anything. It didn't do squat till they started injecting people in December of 2021. Now what we're living through is mass genocide. Anybody that looks at the VAERS report and the uh, yellow card um, report in the UK, um, the reports from the UK and Scotland that came out showing that people with that got the shots are the people in the hospitals and dying. They put out those reports, then took the, I know Scotland took it down from there a public health site because it was just showing, okay, you get the shot, you're going to get sick, you're going to end up in the hospital. Okay. Now the U.S. didn't do any of that. They didn't want to, we don't want you to see what we're doing with the shots. So <laughs> that is where, that's where I live. And that's where I, what I hear from the majority of the, the truth and, and um, freedom, I call them truth and freedom doctors and experts, but you don't have to be a doctor or an expert to see with your own two eyes what's going on. Okay, so um, yeah, the reason why I take us to the science and the reason why I emphasize it with my students is people frequently think that they know something and then research is done and you find out that what you thought you knew, you were probably wrong about. Very rarely do you start off with something, go do a research project, and oh, that was right. Most most often, you're either proven completely wrong, or you find some evidence of something being right, but other things aren't fitting, and that allows you to start molding your response. So, not to be disrespectful of what you said, um, but I actually had a chance to see a lot of COVID patients. I can tell you there are some hospitals that didn't look like they were loaded. I can also tell you that there were, were uh, sites not an hour, not a mile from my home where we had patients under 10th on the beach in LA. <clears throat> we were that overcrowded. So some hospitals were overwhelmed, other hospitals, not so much. There was an excess death. If you track something other than just, um, I, I know you want to refer to the um, the actuarial type stuff that uh, the insurance companies may put out, but the insurance companies have other motives for what they're doing as well. The CDC data is actually very compelling when you look at it, and it's hard to ignore it 
if you look at it and then do what I've also done and I show in the presentations, which is I look at the excess deaths reported by CDC and do a couple mm -hmm. things. First off, I look at what those excess deaths are due to and mm -hmm. when they began happening mm -hmm. and what else was happening at the time. Mm -hmm. And so remember where I told you that when people started doing PCR testing, mm -hmm. There was a reduction in excess deaths, which showed people responding to the PCR test. Mm -hmm. One of the first things that was associated with the increased excess deaths that occurred in 2020 was within weeks of demasking going on. So the wait, CDC wait, wait, data. Wait, wait, I think I missed. Are you saying there was excess deaths after people started wearing masks? Is that That's correct. When you look at the data and you, okay. and this is where you have to look at the data, whether you like what you're seeing or not, whether it fits your paradigm and look at the data and say, what is this data telling me? Mm -hmm. And one, the, the first thing it shows is a reduction in excess deaths when PCR testing kicks in. The second thing it shows is an increase in excess deaths when masking starts to be implemented. Mm -hmm. The third thing it shows you is that when the vaccines uh, uh, do begin, which is later on down the line, they do not reduce the excess deaths. Now, the excess deaths went up, and then there was, they did come back down, and then they went back up. And it didn't matter which one of the vaccines. In fact, it actually looked like the Janssen vaccine could have been associated with a reduction in excess deaths, but, you know, in and of itself, there's not enough to really show that. And we know that there's a lot of information of blood clotting that goes on with that. Mm -hmm. The data cannot extrapolate, that, that data does not exist, um, to differentiate between person-to-person -person transmission of these uh, viruses mm -hmm. and the vaccines themselves. Now, one of the things that the PCR test does do is it shows us genetic sequences. Mm -hmm. And that is what Kerry Mullis set that test up for. I mean, he designed that test because he was running out of money. He couldn't pay for all of his techs. He wanted to keep his lab going and necessity became the mother of invention. And he discovered a way to amplify genetic sequences as opposed to having a lab test doing it. Mm -hmm. And that began, began polymerase chain reaction techniques. He also very specifically included in the patent that 20 cycles is what it should stop at. So the fact that other people did it incorrectly mm -hmm. doesn't matter. That 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 that's on them. Right, okay, right. that's on them. Okay, right, right. but let me but, just interject here. You're saying he the inventor mm -hmm. says 20 cycles max, and they mm -hmm. were doing up 45 cycles in the UK. No, I got it. I I I, okay. I, I think everybody has heard and okay. is aware. That they had that they were using too many cycles and it increases the noise to signal ratio is what it really does. So you tend to tend to hear static in the background. It doesn't mean that they're all invalid. I mean, just because they were doing it wrong doesn't mean that everybody they got a positive test on wasn't positive. The purpose of the test is to look for the genetic sequence. And here's one of the important things to realize about this PCR test. Mm -hmm. This PCR test. Um, has what you do is you pick 12 to 18 nucleotide bases up front for what you're looking at. So 
let's let's maybe do a little history lesson on on how all this stuff is done. You have something new that happens. Okay, this is exactly what a friend of mine, Luke Montagnier, and how he discovered HIV. Right? You have something new. You know, there's you know there's something that's causing illness. You don't know what it is. And in the old days, back when I was a medical student in the early '80s. Um, what you did is you took your unknown and you went, you said, how many antibodies do we have? Let's find all the antibodies to all the known things that we have. And you add those together. And what happens is that if it's the same thing as one of the antibodies, you know what the infectious agent is that precipitates out. If nothing precipitates out, you know, you've got something that hasn't been seen before because there's no antibodies for it. And that's exactly what Luke Montagnier did. And that's how he knew he had something different. Now, today, with, with PCR and the ability to measure the nucleotide basis, we can more rapidly find out what's going on. In fact, mm -hmm. we know what Wuhan HU1, which is the original variant, what okay. its nucleotide base sequence is. Mm -hmm. um, it's been very well done. But what we also know is, so, okay, so, you run the nucleotide base sequences. You get you get a sample from somebody. Uh, uh, typically, what's done because this is a respiratory pathogen. You go into their lungs. You take with a tube. You take saline. You flush it. You aspirate it back out. That's called bronchoalveolar lavage. So you go in the bronchus, the big airway. Go down towards the small airways, the alveoli, and you lavage it. You put in saline. You suck it back out. Now you're pulling out all the garbage that's there. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, that's not telling you what you're looking for. So you have there are ways that you clean up the garbage mm -hmm. so you can find what you're looking for. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I don't want to know uh, if I'm looking for a dead body in a vehicle. I don't want the tires. And I don't want the doors and I don't want, you know, the truck that ran into it. I'm looking for the body, the body. <laughs> So you get rid of the garbage. Right. 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 And you find what you're looking for. And then, you know, in the process of that, because viruses have to be inside cells to reproduce, that cleaning up process usually breaks it apart, but that doesn't mean it hasn't been isolated. It means it's been broken apart. And like a jigsaw puzzle, you can put it back together. You know, everybody can opens a box of, of a puzzle. It's, it's not put together when you pick it, it's all in pieces. You have to put the pieces together. If you're smart enough to know how to do that, you then get a puzzle in the end. If you can't put the pieces together, you're not going to figure out what the puzzle is. Right. So mm -hmm. you do that, and then you you have all the nucleotide bases, and that's mm -hmm. done by something called Sanger sequencing. And if you want to go watch any interesting videos, I've shown that at presentations. They're very interesting. It, it changed the field. It made all of this much more rapid, just like PCR tested. Mm -hmm. And then what you do is you say, okay, well, I can't test for because this virus has 30,000 kilobases, which is a, uh, just a few. Mm -hmm. It's a big virus. You, you, know, can't, you can't look for the whole thing. You want to say, what do, what do I want as a target to go look for? And they pick the spike protein. So you say, okay, I'm going to start looking here. I'm going to stop looking here, which is called the reverse primer, which reads the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. And then you put a fluorescein tag in there because what you're trying to do is get a signal. And fluorescein gives you a signal. If you amplify it enough, the fluorescein probe goes off and you get a positive, right? If it doesn't have enough, it doesn't go off, you get a negative. 
So you have to know where to start looking and where to stop looking. Now, the reason why this is fascinating to me is because three of Barrick's gain-of-function viruses mm-hmm. have the exact same PCR as SARS-CoV-2. I get you. Okay. Now, so Ralph Barrick. Ralph Barrick, right. So here's the important thing to kind of maybe wrap our brains around. Mm -hmm. If you recognize that gain of function viruses are being done, Mm -hmm. and you realize who's paying for them Department of Defense, National Institutes of Health, Health and Human Services, all these people. Yes. And, and we won't even talk about the, the, the laws that this violated in the crime. So let's just focus right. on the fact that they're doing it. Right. And Which they once weren't a year, they, they yeah. right. So you look at vaccines for influenza A, it changes about once a year because that's how often it takes to vary enough to need a new vaccine, <clears throat> right? Now, if you realize that we have at least three, and I've got the data, Three, it'll be used three, three gain of three function. different three different gain of function bio- viruses okay. that Barrick made. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> At least three, okay. and they all match the PCR. And now you think about okay, these types of viruses would be in a biological level four lab like Wuhan mm-hmm. because they're dangerous to be out, right? Mm-hmm. Why if that system has a malfunction? and it accidentally leaks. Why would only one get out? Yeah, I, I get you. Why would only one get out? Mm-hmm. So if you think about it from that perspective, and we don't have time to go into it, but I've pointed out that what has happened from the vaccines is that even though statistically there wasn't much of a difference between people who got vaccinated and didn't, there was a slight advantage up front when this first started for the vaccinated people because Wuhan HG1 was the primary variant going around. Mm-hmm. So what we did see up front were more non-vaccinated people getting admitted to hospital with the disease COVID because the vaccinated had a benefit. And guess what that vaccine turned the vaccinated people into? What? Asymptomatic carriers. Because they had an advantage already, but Wuhan HG1 was the primary variant. The alpha that all of you started to hear about later on and the beta, those weren't as prevalent, but they became more prevalent because the Wuhan HG1 was being taken out due to the vaccine and the people that got vaccinated. So they were spreading more of the alpha and the beta variants than anything the else. People that got the shot. Now let me as I want to introduce Now so let, let me carry let me carry oh. let, me, let me carry through the whole thing here, okay. okay? So what happened over the course of time is that that spread the and and put a pressure selection on the variants. There was a benefit for the variants, the other variants to express themselves to become prominent, right? Mm-hmm. And so what you started to see then in the middle of the road during this one and a half year cycle is a lot of these variants beginning to appear and people passing them back and forth, person to person. And the result of that was that as people passed it back person to person, they were seeing more variants and they were seeing all the parts of the virus the spike protein, the capsule, the the envelope, rather the membrane, 
all the components. So the non-vaccinated people getting the transmission were making immune responses to all the parts and all the variants. And so what you see now is a flip so that the numbers show that the people that are ending up being sick enough to be diagnosed with the disease, COVID, more symptomatic, are the ones that were vaccinated strictly to HG1, which isn't really the variant floating around anymore, but they're not getting any benefit from that when they're getting exposed to Delta and Omicron. There's 28 variants going on. Mm -hmm. Now, why do I point that out? I point that out because it ties together asymptomatic spread. It ties together the pressure selection. And it also raises an interesting question. If a naturally occurring virus like influenza A left to itself takes and mutates enough that you need a new vaccine in a year, how did we end up with 28 variants? And I think the answer is not only did we put enough pressure selection on it for most of these, but I think more than one of these variants got out, these gain-of-function variants, and they are exchanging genetic sequences that have resulted in 28 variants showing up. And when you start to put all that together, it starts to make scientific sense, and it's backed up by the CDC data and what's really going on in the real world, because the diseases that are occurring that the CDC shows are inflammatory thrombotic diseases, like my theory pointed out in 94. So heart disease, stroke, diabetes, high blood pressure and cancer, and prion diseases like Alzheimer's diseases, which we know that the spike protein is particularly prone at producing. So the CDC data is telling us that exactly what we thought should have happened. We're actually ahead of schedule on. The PCR data tells us not only do we have these viruses floating around, but Barrick had at least three of them, which would explain why the vaccines have successfully put this type of pressure selection on the system. And the variants are, are recombining, and which gives you 28 variants in a year and a half, which is yeah. pretty unprecedented. I mean, this tells you more than one virus, gain-of-function virus got out. Mm -hmm. It tells you the vaccines put a pressure selection on this system. Mm -hmm. And and it explains why the inflammation of blood clotting first took out the people who already had those diseases because they all, all they needed was one more thing to add insult to injury, and they were dead. And now what you're seeing are the diseases in more of the vaccinated individuals. It took that time to do that because when you pass viruses back person to person, you pass hundreds or thousands or maybe 10,000 virus particles. You know, we talked about that antigen load and why some people aren't symptomatic. Well, if you got 50 or 100, you're probably not going to get as symptomatic as somebody who got 10,000 from somebody, okay? So you get a different viral load. But now, when you look at the vaccines, the Pfizer vaccine carries the genetic sequences for 13.1 billion the Moderna carries for 13.1 billion. The Janssen and AstraZeneca carry for 50 billion. Now you're talking about a huge antigenic load and who's getting that? The healthier people that are able to mount an immune response that are amounting it to what looks like a massive invasion of the body. And they're ending up with inflammation and blood clotting and prion diseases. Okay, can I jump in? <laughs> 
Sure. Go ahead. I really want to with uh, several things. Um, first of all, <clears throat> would you and, and kind of uh, just kind of a one-word answer here? Do do you think what they're injecting into people meets the <clears throat> definition of a vaccine? Yes. You do. Okay. All right. Yeah, because what is the definition of a vaccine? Uh, for me, uh, layman's term, it's something that's supposed to prevent you from getting an illness. No, no. Okay. Vaccines, we have never said vaccines prevent you from doing anything. In fact, the reality is that a vaccine can only work because it produces an immune response in your body that you then make memory cells to so that when you become infected, it takes less time for your body to say, wait a minute, we've seen this before, mount an immune response. See, the definition of a, of a vaccine is something that causes your immune system to mount a response and then carry immune. The fact, memory cells, the fact that that's not how the general public has thought about it doesn't mean what the general public has been thinking about it is correct. In fact, Anthony Fauci, as far as some of his initial responses, if you, if you get the right videos, you can see him talking very clearly and, and from a scientist's perspective, it's easy to catch, where he went from antibodies to, well, C T cell responses to, well, it won't prevent you from getting sick or spreading it. It just shortens the duration of time, right? right? But he, yeah, he's the manufacturers all three of them say we, it won't prevent you from getting it and it won't pre prevent you from spreading it. All right. three have Vaccines said that from never day have. One. Vaccines have never done that. The only way a vaccine works is if you then get infected, you will have a shorter period of time. And so what that should do is reduce the symptoms and it's those symptoms that get added to a PCR test that the doctor then will say, right or wrong, don't, I mean, we're not going to split hairs on that because I'm not going to make comments about whether some doctor was right or wrong because that, there's a lot of variables there. I'm not going to do that to anybody. Um, that they then say, okay, uh, well, this meets the criteria for COVID. So you have the disease. Now, unfortunately, too many people have gotten the, the term COVID mixed up with the virus and, and they're not the same right. thing. One's a virus, and one's a disease. Most you know? people realize it's SARS-CoV-2 is the virus and the illness they're calling COVID-19, <clears throat> which is a list of symptoms actually. The, the illness. It is, that's, that's, how, that's, how, that's how we've always done it. You know, you come in, uh, with any health problem, you know, you come in and you're thirstier than normal and you're urinating more than normal and you're hungrier more than normal and you're overweight. Um, the first thing that's going to hit a doctor's mind if they're halfway decent, we're awake in classes, you could have diabetes. Now let us, okay? Mm -hmm. Because that's it, polydipsia, polyphagia, polyuria. You know, you're, you're thirstier than usual, you're urinating more than usual, you're hungrier more than usual. You've been eating too many calories. So you have too much blood sugar. Your insulin receptors have downregulated because they're saying we've got enough uh, in our cells. The, the sugar dumps out in your, in your kidneys. It pulls water with it. You get hungry, you get thirsty, you urinate more, okay? Okay. But That's what I wanna, you do. I wanna say it because I, I, we, okay, I'm putting down 
we definitely have to find out what you think the 70% you guys agree on. Because so far, um, like the definition, uh, does this meet the definition of the vaccine? I would say most of the experts I've heard speak and in my layman's opinion, it doesn't meet the definition of the vaccine. You're the first yeah. one I've heard that you say yes to that. Okay, no issues. Like I said, um, uh, the other thing is you've been mentioning CDC data and oh, wait, CDC data and the uh, PC, PCR test data. You've been mentioning right. that. Right. Okay, uh, and like for for me, I say. I look at the real world data and I know you said something about the insurance company, but the life insurance company and funeral homes, both, if you look at their real world data, there, I mean, there was a few more deaths than, than 2019, if you look at 2020, but it wasn't pandemic numbers. Now, in 20, from 2021, because we're in 2022, from third quarter, fourth quarter of 2021 ongoing, it's it's pandemic numbers with all cause mortality. Not only that, okay. So life insurance companies, funeral homes, and uh, athletes dropping dead on the field, unheard of in the history of athletic sports. Now it's happening left and right. Um, pregnant women that got the shot. Um, and I call it a shot because it might, for me, it does not meet the definition of a vaccine, but pregnant women. Also, FDA, the FDA papers are being released now, the ones they didn't want to mm -hmm. release for 75 mm -hmm. years. And in those papers, it shows that um, pretty much these shots are not good for pregnant women. But they were told it's safe and effective. And they rolled up their sleeve and over 300% increase in miscarriages and stillbirths. I mean, these are real, you, this is what I call real world data. Yeah. And I know I can, yeah, I, real, I, I'm, I'm, I'm spouting it, but I could actually do the research sure. and get you that information. Right. Okay. Right. So, so definitions of terms, as a researcher, you know, the ability to go Google something is not research, but no, it is I don't the Google. beginning. I don't Google anything. Right. I don't Google right. anything. I don't trust Google. Right. So up front, right. uh, when the vaccines were first approved, mm -hmm. and, and you can find this on my website, FlemingMethod.com. I'm not trying to tout it. You don't pay to go on there. You don't pay to download anything on it. Um, Okay. Uh, it certainly wasn't put together because I wanted something, another project to do. Um, you can see uh, not only the documents that show the viruses and, and you know, there's over 30,000 samples of viruses and where they were downloaded from and what their nucleotide sequences are, but you can also find the emergency use authorization documents. Okay. okay. Now, now wait, give me the that reason, again. <laughs> tell me that website again, because I'm going to do that. What's the website? F-L-E-M-I-N-G-M-E-T-H-O-D.com, mm -hmm. FlemingMethod.com, 1M, no stuttering. Okay, gotcha. So if you go on there, you can, I mean, there's a lot of material, you'll have to find it. Um, it's under the publication area. There's one, one section that has over 200 and some odd papers published. 
I haven't found anything worth adding to it in the last six to 12 months. Not time consuming on my part. Um, the emergency use authorization documents are there, all right? Mm -hmm. Now I've listened to some doctors that many people that are probably listening to you love, okay? Mm -hmm. And as I always tell everybody, I'm not here to influence you and make you love me. My job as a research scientist is to stay as true to the facts and to ignore the static, okay? Because I can't help anybody if I start getting diverted by the static. Mm -hmm. So I, I, you know, I won't get diverted by the static. I won't get uh, hung up terribly long in what I consider dumb conversations. Uh, I do science. I, I hope do you dumb. don't think this one is. No, I didn't say that. That okay. was not. That's not. I, I, but it's there's okay. a lot of dumb conversations that get uh, out there, and everybody wants their their 15 minutes of of debate time. And it's like, I'm sorry, I don't. I, my my watch I, doesn't give me 15 minutes for everybody on the planet. Um, I hope you don't think I'm debating because I don't do that. No, no, that's fine. Um, uh, debate is not a terrible thing. Uh, it's uh, and and neither is critiquing. Uh, the big difference between critique and criticizing um, that most people don't fully appreciate. So, if you go to the emergency use authorization documents, and I've listened to many of the doctors again that I I know many of your viewers probably love. Okay, and that's great. Um, they took some. Many of them took, got vaccinated up front. Okay, I have not been vaccinated for this. And the reason for it was very, very clear. I, I'm not confused about what the definition of a vaccine is or what a vaccine does. I'm also not confused because I posted on the website that the FDA and Health and Human Services have posted documents talking about setting and gene editing products. Okay, so I'm not confused that they use the term gene editing with this. I'm not confused that Malone has a patent for gene editing that he calls a vaccine with the express purpose of making glycoprotein 120 in human cells, which is part of HIV. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not confused about it and it's not on me to explain. He has to explain it, not me, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, these doctors, many of them got vaccinated and, and their comment is, well, they, did, they, they, they thought it would be beneficial and useful. And my response is, well, as a research physician, I read through the EUA documents and there's nothing in the EUA documents that show that they are beneficial or useful. Ah, I'm sorry. That data, on that, that, <laughs> that, and I haven't that even data, read it, but totally that, that, data, that, data, that data does not exist mm -hmm. in those EUA documents. There's no data on interleukin levels or uh, any of the other components that are released by the innate system. There's no data on IgA antibodies, which are the antibodies that are critical for respiratory and gastrointestinal diseases, which is what this is. Um, there are some minuscule uh, uh, comments that are made regarding, yeah, we saw an immune response, but no data. Mm -hmm. These are massive documents submitted to the FDA with the express purpose of approving these vaccines. <clears throat> they should include tons of data on what I just mentioned. It's mm -hmm. not there. Right. They spend a lot of time talking about the side effects. So for people who say this is a surprise, that there's a complication, I say, I'm sorry, <clears throat> that's right in the EUA data. Uh, congratulations. It took everybody a year and a half, two years to find out what the EUA documents already said. 
mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was right up there. There was no hiding of it. it it's right. in plain view. Um, <clears throat> I have gone and statistically analyzed the emergency use documents. And, and again, these are for the definitions of COVID. So like it or not, having a PCR test and, and the criteria for getting the diagnosis of COVID was used for the non-vaccinated and the vaccinated alike. So if there's a bias, it's applied to both groups. So you mm-hmm. can just wipe that off the table and say, well, if we're biased for both groups, then we should be able to compare both groups. It's got the same bias. Right. And when you analyze it statistically, which I've done, and I've only seen one other person come to a conference and talk about it, and I thought it was funny. It took about a year and a half, but then he finally, this one guy came in, and, and that was his presentation. It's like, yep, this is the same data that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and you analyze it. <clears throat> what, what you see is that the Pfizer data, while there were fewer people who were diagnosed with COVID, in the, those who received Pfizer vaccine versus those who didn't in their studies, um, it wasn't statistically different, okay? Mm-hmm. So you can look at it, 16, I think, versus 160 something. Just don't quote me because I'm just trying to remember numbers, but it was right, like right. teens versus 100 mid-range. Okay, that's, that's a difference. You look at that number and you get the impression, wow, there's a difference, but you do what a scientist like I do, mm-hmm. And you statistically analyze it, and and there's no statistical benefit, right? Mm-hmm. You do the same thing for Moderna. There's no statistical benefit. You do the same thing for Janssen. Janssen presented two-week data and four-week data, and at two weeks there is a statistical benefit to the Janssen vaccine. There is. Okay. But they also presented the four-week data, and by four weeks that difference is gone. <laughs> so okay. You're so, saying with the J&J, uh, after two okay, weeks, so Janssen is the company. for two weeks. So you're saying after yeah, J&J, exactly. after right. two weeks, there was a benefit for two weeks. Okay, got yes, it. Yes, that's, that's okay. what their data shows. Okay. So, you know, when everybody does this warm and fuzzy, I can kind of look at it, my real world experience, which is not meant to be a slap or an insult, because um, the smartest people I ever knew in my life didn't have a PhD, MD, or JD. And if my parents were still alive, I would have asked them, but they passed away. So um, I can only now just imagine what they would tell me. Right. Um, But the reality is that when you look at the data, it tells you very compelling things. And so all these people that say, well, we got vaccinated, we thought it was the right thing to do. Um, we, We got vaccinated because it keeps you from getting infected. No, 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 and no. I know that no is the answer to that, but a lot of people do because of the mainstream news. I've had this conversation with this woman on a uh, very nice conversation. That's why I titled my show, Can We Please Have a Conversation? Because I believe we're having a right. conversation. We don't agree on everything, but we're having a, a conversation. And um, I had with this lady on Facebook who got, of course, she got... Uh, two, at least two, maybe three jabs, and um, she doesn't believe it's uh, still in the um, experimental phase. I was like, right in the FDA documents, which I read and, and sent to her, says right here, right. it's going to be experimental. This is for Pfizer, experimental at least to the summer of 2023. And I had this conversation yeah. with her about a year ago. So are you kidding me? Of course. But no, she's still, no, it's not experimental. Right. So, 
I get what you're saying. So yeah, you're yeah. also saying, would, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry, there's another point that I want to make while I'm thinking about it. And that's okay. the criticism that's been made inappropriately. That they've, they, they've unmasked the study and they vaccinated the people that weren't vaccinated. And, and they're saying that that was the study. So here's a reality check okay. for everybody. Every time we do a research project, whether you, whether you agree with their interpretation of the data or not, mm -hmm. every time a research is done with a placebo group and a drug treatment group, during the course of these research studies, if it becomes apparent to the people running the study, doesn't matter whether you agree with this or not, okay. or anybody else, if the people running the study conclude there's a benefit, they unmask the study and give the beneficial drug to the people who didn't receive it because it would be unethical as a scientist physician to find something that you think provides a benefit and to not give it to the people. You know, imagine the person, you're dying from cancer, Herceptin, let's, let's take Herceptin. Breast cancer, uh, you're HER2 positive, Herceptin positive, estrogen negative, progesterone negative, okay? Um, Herceptin trials being done, you don't get Herceptin. Herceptin shows a 50% reduction in mortality. Yeah, we're going to give Herceptin, we're done with the study, we got enough to show there's a benefit. We're not going to keep depriving these people of a chance to live. <clears throat> We're going to unblind them. We're going to give them the drug. That's why that got withdrawn. Now, I understand the, the perspective that people have, but from the perspective of running a scientific study, I don't think there's an argument. Look, the data showed they didn't get any additional benefit. So it's not like they're going to get less additional benefit than nothing if you watch these people for another six to 12 months. And, the, and the, nobody forced them to get vaccinated. They all probably signed on with the perspective of, yeah, well, if you find out that the, the vaccines work, please, I want to do that. And I want to use this as, as a launch point for one other thing. Mm -hmm. And I became sensitive to this when I, when I moved to Dallas a year and a half ago. The people that are wearing masks and the people that are getting vaccinated do not need to be attacked or put down. Oh, I agree. Because these people think they're doing the right thing. And the only way to then have this communication mm -hmm. is to be able to say, you know, look, um, I didn't get vaccinated, but I understand you got vaccinated because you thought it was going to be the right thing to do. You thought it would keep you from getting sick and giving it to somebody else down the street who might die. You know, hooray. That is the, that is the proper thing for a, a human being to do. <clears throat> okay. So when you start to feel, if you start to feel sick, Please feel free to come tell me so I can be there to try to help you in that time. Because the people that, there are other people that will not take that information and say, you need help. They will go, it's all in your head, right? So this is the point that if we're going to be compassionate human beings, um, 
we need to be able to go look at those folks that are masking up and, and they're afraid. I mean, I was at the airport the other day, well, a few weeks ago, uh, traveling from one event to another one, and this poor young lady was putting out two masks in front of me, and I thought, I, I, I'm so not going to critique you on that. You, you are scared. You are nervous. I'm, you don't need me or anybody else making you feel bad. <clears throat> okay, now you've got enough saying, people already doing that to you. What you're saying now is what I live in every now moment. I send love and light to everybody. If I see people wearing that, I went to the airport back in January 21 where people were actually in hazmat suits. And all I did is send them love. And that that's me. And when 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 I started this conversation with Nash, Nash said to me, because I started volunteering when the tour was one thing, and then all of a sudden the tour broke up and I'm still volunteering. And Nash says to me, um, Caroline, I'm glad you you're you're new, you're staying neutral. And, and I said in my mind, Nash neutral is my middle name. I don't take yeah. sides. I don't take sides. I don't debate. And I say don't, I say don't debate because the word debate um, entails a winner or a loser. And for me, it's you sharing your truth and I'm sharing my truth. And that's what my whole show is now about. People being able to have a conversation, sharing their truth. They're not going to agree at the end of the conversation, but they still yeah. have love. I, I still... I can see right now, we don't agree on a lot of things, but I have nothing but love and respect for you and appreciate that you're sharing your research and your work with the world. So um, you had said, reach, okay, now, getting back to what you said about the unblinding, um, I, what I mainly heard about the unblinding, the, the criticism about the unblinding is that now there cannot be a long-term um, study because they unblinded them. So now we don't know what long-term effects can happen from these injections because they're, they're the placebo group was unblinded. And that that's a valid point yeah. because we weren't dealing with cancer or, you know, people weren't dying. It was a, a study right. for a vaccine. <laughs> so, right. Well, I, so my, I think my counter argument to that would be, there's a lot of people who've chosen not to be vaccinated that are providing that long-term data, if, if that's if that's the criticism, okay? okay. But they, you know, I guess the, I'm in the, the reality- I group then, <laughs> and I'll Well, you know, you're, you're, yeah, I mean, and, and you're probably, you know, you're not because, and nobody is at this point in time, but um, but you're, you're probably in, I mean, I think 65% of the US population has been exposed to SARS-CoV-2. I mean, I, I ended up getting Wuhan H1 in January of 2020, and I ended up with the Delta variant last summer mm -hmm. um, because somebody was kind enough to share that with me at the time. Um, so I, you know, I'm clearly, I mean, I'm not in the vaccinated group, but I'm clearly not in the uh, uh, non-infected group either, right? Right. Um, <clears throat> So, you know, it's, it, but we will see what the long-term studies show. I think the long-term studies, the data from the CDC is, is very clearly showing us what the long-term consequences are. We're seeing inflammatory robotic diseases and we're, th and we're seeing prion diseases and we're seeing it ahead of what the animal models predicted, which would be a year and a half before we would start seeing the prion diseases. And we've already got, uh, I think it's over, last time I looked, it was over 74,000 excess deaths from Alzheimer's disease, uh, which is a prion disease. <clears throat> so, so you're saying um, that the long-term study on the, on the shots, 
Again, I, I just to me, I can't call the vaccine in my heart. Okay, but um, so, but are you seeing like I see? I'm seeing in real what I call real world data that the the shots are causing much more harm than the original virus. Well, we don't have a way of extrapolating that because with two thirds of the U.S. population having been exposed to the virus, the question is, what are you seeing? Are you seeing the virus or are you seeing the vaccine effect? Well, if the person wasn't vaccinated, you know it's not a vaccine effect. If they were. Right, right. So, I mean, and, and uh, I, I think that's the cleanest component of that, but there's a lot of people that have chosen not to become vaccinated. And so we certainly have that type of data from those individuals, right? Right. Um, so we didn't need somebody else's research study to do that. The people that didn't participate in the study are providing that type of data if and, that's what your focus is. And, <clears throat> um, and, and but, that's very true what you're saying because people have to sign something saying that they know that they're part of an experiment when they get the, this from my understanding. Sure, right, right. Whether that's, I mean, we always kind of, you know, this term informed consent is is kind of a, nebulous thing anyway, because the reality is, um, unless you're probably explaining it to another physician in that field, there's a gap, a knowledge gap that exists, whether you're, even if you're doing your best to explain something. I mean, I, I can't do a test on somebody without getting informed consent from them, but the, the honesty is that I know that there's probably a gap, even though I'm trying to explain to you what I'm doing, you don't fully get what I'm doing. And, and, mm -hmm. I, and I realize that. <clears throat> um, but, so my goal is to try, my goal, I can't say this is everybody's goal, but my goal as a physician is to try to sort through based upon what I'm seeing from you, mm -hmm. whether, and, and, and your family members or whoever else you have there with you, mm -hmm. whether it looks like this is making sense to you, what we're doing and why we're doing it or not, you know. Right. Um, so, you know, those are some of the things I think, you know, and, and uh, not to bring up a sore subject, but let's get to the reason why, why Judy and I really kind of had a major falling out and that's snake venom. Actually, okay. <laughs> and before we go there, at least I, I need to ask you because what I, I'm listening very intently. So from what I understand, you said from reading the EUA on all three um, injections, right. You were de you determined that there was no benefit from reading. Not statistic, yeah, not a statistical benefit. No, that's okay. the statistical benefit. Okay, all right, but it, it would be even if doctors would say that before people rolled up their sleeve. Well, this is really no benefit. Well, I don't know how, how, <laughs> how many how many doctors have actually read those EUAs. I mean, I I watched the committees themselves and uh, <clears throat> I mean I again this is my 54th year of doing research mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so my take on we're looking at something um, I want to know as a scientist I not only want to know whether something works I want to know why it works <clears throat> you know um, I want to know whether we're doing something that that makes sense um, so I have a lot of questions that I want answered. And I watched those those committee meetings just aghast 
with with the absence of questions. Mm. And and you know I'm having read through the EOAs already. I had a ton of questions that I wanted answers to, primarily, mm -hmm. which is why isn't the data here in the EOA document that I really want to see to know if I'm get what type of immune response I'm getting these patients got to these vaccines. And it's not there. I mean, there was a lot of attention pointed out to the side effects. And what that reminds me of is, um, for lack of a better thing, you have, I have three children, they're all grown now. Um, but, you know, some, somebody does something wrong at home and, you, and, and as dad, I come home mm -hmm. and the story I'm getting is, well, so-and-so did such and such. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you're telling me what went wrong. I want to know what happened. Right. Right, right. You tell me what happened, but I don't get what happened. I get the story about all the potential things that went wrong. Mm -hmm. And my brain as, as, as a father and my brain as a research scientist is, uh, I want to know what happened. Mm -hmm. I want to see outcome data of the sort that answers the questions that as a research scientist, I would expect mm -hmm. to be collected on this type of research. Right. And it's not there. So my response, my questions, which nobody obviously wanted to hear from me, was, um, where's my data mm -hmm. I mean you did a you, you did a study mm -hmm. and you're making a claim right and I'd like to know where the data is that backs up your claim right because again what everybody focused on was okay you had a PCR test so we know you have the genetic sequence did you get sick enough with the types of symptoms mm -hmm. that we're calling COVID-19 mm -hmm. okay but you know the reality is um that doesn't mean everything's matching up. So uh, I'm gonna use this as a gateway for one of the things that, that I get into with some of the agreements and disagreements on. We've done a national clinical trial and I know from the drugs that we tested and measured tissue change effects, which drugs work and which ones don't work, mm -hmm. okay? Including remdesivir. I can also tell you and this will sit down if you're if you're if you're thinking I'm a nice guy that there is no data that shows that ivermectin works. Okay. There's no data. Okay. I don't do now, drugs. Period. So go ahead. I'm completely holistic. So, so my my <laughs> in the way that we did our study of of the people who chose upfront not to take any drugs. That's me. And then we're seen back in three in three days to see whether they got better or not. Sixty percent of them got better. Now, I could have given them any placebo or any pill, or I could have waved a flag in front of them four times a day, and I would have concluded that 60% of the people got better because I waved this flag in front of them four times a day, right? Because I didn't measure anything else except did they get sicker, right? right? So if you cannot provide for me data that proves that your drug works, don't tell me your drug works. Mm -hmm. I agree. Okay, you can tell the general population, and there are people that love them for that. Now, I have been on stage, and I have disagreed. I'm sure the audience thought we were arguing with people because of that. And I've had people say, well, the, everybody they treat with this drug got better. Well, I can tell you for a fact that I've seen people that have been on those drugs that have got worse. Okay, so... 
choose carefully who, who you want to, who you, who you want to uh, well, be telling that to. But the reality is, the reality is, I've also stood on stage and sat on stage and said, however, <clears throat> while I think it's incumbent upon my colleagues to do the work to prove, because remember that thing I said, you start an experiment and you find out it's typically not, yeah, I was right. It's typically you're wrong or you're right and wrong and you sort it out to get to the details, right? And that's why research and science is critical. And I also think fun, um, informative. It teaches you things that you didn't know. But I've also then argued that other point of at least they're doing something. Now, I, it may be hopefully not harmful, but as long as that physician and that patient has decided that they're good with that, and I would like them to be honest with the patient, say, we haven't measured it, but you know, I've given this to 100 people and you know, they seem to be doing better. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, being honest, and providing informed consent with the level of honesty and knowledge they have, then I've said, you know, I would rather them at least try something than to say, well, I'm sorry, uh, you go home until you're feeling really, really bad and then come back to the hospital and maybe you'll die here or maybe we'll get lucky. Um, that I'm not in favor of that approach. So I have argued this is that, you know, that 70% where, you know, I've said, you know, some of these drugs I have data that shows that they do work. Other drugs, there's no data that shows that they do work. And some drugs work worse in combinations with other drugs than you might think. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that that's, uh, that's one of those points where I talk about that 70%. That's, um, yeah. Okay, because I, 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 I wrote down that 70 and that is the basis of this show. Right. So please let me, so obviously what I put together thinking it sure. was the 70 percent obviously my 70 was not the 70%. i'm throwing out the window <laughs> my 70 percent is not your 70 percent okay so right, that's right. what i'd like to hear your 70 percent what is the 70 percent of what because again like i said well, to you on the phone let me just interject here like i said to you on the phone the other day what we're living through right now is so important that people understand, you know, and that sometimes the, the differences between experts and the science may not match up and it's okay. For me, it's okay that we don't agree on everything. I still love and respect you. And and like you said, I see people with masks on, see people that get jacked. I, I have a cousin that's about to line up for number four. I wasn't even sure there was a number four out there until my cousin said he's about yeah, there to get is. it. And I, yeah, I was like, okay. I love you. So you love and light. That's me. I love everybody. I don't just say I love everybody. I love Fauci. I love Gates. I love everybody. And I don't just say that. I live it. So, but I want to know your seven, the 70% you right. think that you and the rest of the speakers agree on. What's right. that 70%? So I, I think by and large, you know, everybody agrees. The people that are literally talking and, and have the science behind them mm -hmm. agree that you know, this, this is a virus. It's something that's spread from person to person. I think most people are coming up to speed <clears throat> with that. There's evidence that this has been man-made gain of function. 
Okay, I'm writing this down. Mm -hmm. Most of us agree that um, the government overstepped its authority. Most of us agree that um, there are treatments that do work. Most of us agree that the vaccines have uh, not demonstrated the success that everybody laid them out to be. Um, I think most of us agree that there's, there's harmful effects from the vaccine. Um, you know, I've done, I've done uh, added the vaccine to blood and shown that uh, it, it causes the blood to desaturate almost immediately, which is not a good thing. And it doesn't recover from that. Um, most of us agree that there aren't hydras and nanotechnology in the vaccine. There are a few people that think that there are hydras and, and nanotechnology uh, and graphene oxide in there. Um, graphene oxide has been used for vaccines for many years, but we haven't walked around with people having silverware stuck to them. Um, these vaccines don't have uh, appreciable microscopic graphene oxide. We're not seeing it spectroscopy-wise either. Um, we, we've done this demonstration by adding graphene oxide to the solution so that people can actually see what it looks like if you have graphene oxide. Here's graphene oxide, put in solution, put it on the slide, that's what it looks like. That's not what you're seeing in the vaccine. There aren't hydras in the vaccine, there aren't living organisms in the vaccine. If there are, it's because they've been left out and contaminated. Um, <clears throat> there's not nanotechnology in there. Nano means small, 10 to the minus nine meters. Um, there's not microcircuits in there. Um, we've actually done some nice videos showing what looks like this nanotechnology and it's nothing more than sodium chloride or table salt dissolved showing up in the same formation. Uh, a lot of the nanotechnology that people have talked about is nothing more than air bubbles that if you look at air bubbles and you know what they look like under a microscope, that's them. Right. They look oh, the right exact right. same thing. I, I so most of us okay. most of us agree okay. that there's there's uh there's problems associated with getting vaccinated. Um and it's not because there's this other garbage that's in there. Um I think that most of us could agree that there seems to be very poor quality control to these vaccines, um, you know, which people would argue from a variety of perspectives, but the quality control, the, the consistency of what's being made and the potential problems with these vaccines are much larger than what we've seen in prior vaccines. Mm -hmm. um, and, that's, and that's a vast majority of it. I, I think that, um, most of us agree that um, the data is very consistent, that most of the benefit that occurred uh, for, you know, I, look, I think PCR test did a wonderful job of telling us that a respiratory pathogen is spread respiratorily from person to person. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know we needed to spend millions and billions of dollars to do that, but uh, okay, we're there again. Mm -hmm. um, and... Uh, you know, I think most of us would agree that when you're driving down the road by yourself that wearing a mask, you're either doing surgery incorrectly or maybe you're not getting a benefit from it. Um, 
so I think, you know, there's, uh, you know, I think most of us would agree that <clears throat> I think even the doctors that don't do a lot of treatment in the hospital, I think even they would agree if asked the question, is it better to try to do something for a patient who is, is having problems than to do nothing? I think most of them would agree, yes, they should. They're just, they're not clear on what they can do. Um, uh, and I think most of us would agree that it would be really nice if the government and people that are not doctors would get the heck out of medicine. Okay. Um, yes. and, and quit and quit trying to practice medicine. Um, it's, it's, um, it can be challenging for some people who've even gotten a medical degree to practice medicine competently. But um, by and large, you know, by and large, we used to have a system uh, where physicians, when we had a question about somebody, uh, could easily ask our colleagues in the hallway or, or be asked by our colleagues in the hallway what we thought. You know, give me an idea. I mean, we used to do grand rounds and, and morbidity and mortality reporting. And, and, you know, once a week where we would exchange ideas. Um, I think most of us agree that uh, that is sadly lacking right now. And there's been an awful lot of, of uh, personal attacks. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think most of us would agree that there's a lot of people talking in social media who have no idea what they're talking about and really should just shut up. Mm -hmm. even um, even so you're saying even doctors with a medical degree but isn't that what you're kind of you're kind of saying that from what my understanding of from the medical establishment right. that before 2020 like you said the you know at the water fountain there's like okay you know i got this problem with this patient can what do you think about it but since 2020 yeah. that's kind of gone out the window um, it's certainly much, much less. I mean, okay. you know, clearly some people are doing that, but, but you know, that, that sense of being overly supervised and overly criticized and do we, do we dare, well, you know, I think for most people, they don't even know who is, is you know, who's, 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 uh, who's watching over whom and for what reason, you know, I think there is, uh, a real concern about that. I think uh, most of us would agree something is going on mm -hmm. that is, is, is uncomfortable. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. Okay. Now from your, I, I wrote down your 70%. Now I'm, <laughs> again, I, I listen and I'm actually friends, not with just Dr. G. I'm good friends with Andy Kaufman. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the first, number one, there is a virus. I put a big question mark on that because not just Andy, uh, a lot of doctors are, are, are show me the virus. And there's a, a lady, a Canadian lady, Christine Massey, and she started this project where she, the FOIA requests have been sent to uh, 196 have come back to date unanswered, even the CDC. Uh, show me, you know, she worded it very good, and she, her, and hundreds of other people have sent out uh, "Show Me the Virus." So that I can't, I won't, I, I don't think that should fit under the seventy percent because there is a whole nother spectrum of experts and scientists and doctors that say differently. Okay, man-made, I have no issue with that. Most likely, whatever was done 
in Wuhan, which started in the in the states that they took to Wuhan after after uh, uh, Fauci was saying no, you can't do that gain of function stuff, and so like he's like okay, let's do it in China. Okay, all right. Well, um, let let me let me ask the question. So you have no problem with the gain of function? Uh, no, I'm not. Wait, wait, wait. No, I'm saying for your 70%, I'm saying what you think, what you're saying that you guys agree on 70%, that I, that I would I, take out the virus part, but man-made, um, I'm sure most on both sides of the fence would say whatever was done was was tampered with by man, by the, by Ralph Barrett, um, the Fauci, um, the military, the the military so yeah so most right so yeah. what i'm saying is what what did they tamper with oh goodness i'm not a scientist <laughs> okay no they, but here's 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 the point okay they had to, what they tampered with was a virus and so okay. while there may okay. be a few people who don't think that there are viruses or that they don't exist or that they somehow come from red blood cells which don't have nuclei to make anything that's part of the premise of terrain theory, right? Right, right, right? Is that they come from red blood cells and that they evolved from red blood cells and that viruses and bacteria and fungi come from red blood cells, except that red blood cells are the only cells of the human body that don't have a nuclei or ribosomes or anything to make anything with, okay? Can so, I give you a one sentence what my layman term and my layman understanding sure. of terrain theory, I can give you one sentence. And Andy did not disagree when I wrote this in an email to him, um, that toxins and poisons make us sick. That is my bottom line to terrain. <clears throat> toxins and poisons get us sick. And when I wrote that in the well, email to him, he didn't disagree. Yeah. Well, I don't think anybody would disagree with toxins and poisons make you sick, but that doesn't equal viruses don't exist from outside the human body. Those are two completely different statements. Well, I mean, no, my, my only statement was, my <laughs> statement was my, in my layman's term, right. understanding of terrain theory. Sure. I'm not touching germ theory. I'm saying terrain theory, <laughs> my, layman's my layman's understanding right. of terrain theory is that poisons and toxins make us sick. Right. Okay. And and that would and most people would call that toxicology <laughs> versus terrain theory, right? Okay. Because we know that if I mean uh, mustard gas, um, which can make you very very sick, is also a treatment for cancer and kills cancers. Right. Um, that's how some. That's really kind of how they wandered underboard of that. Not just man-made poisons, though, because we know that there <clears throat> are poisonous mushrooms in nature. Yeah, so there is natural sure. poisons. So not sure. just man-made, there are man-made poisons, sure. but there's also natural poisons. Right, but just to make certain that people don't cross that line, because I don't, I, most of us would agree that toxins and poisons make you sick, right? Yeah. But that doesn't mean that viruses don't exist. So that's, that's a huge jump. Well, I'm gonna that's say- That's a huge jump. For the series that I'm doing, like I said, I am good right. friends with Andy. I'm going to try to get, like I said, I didn't really want this, this show to be so scientifically sure. heavy because I'm not a scientist. I don't have those conversations right. with Andy and Judy, and I'm friends with both of them because they're sure. the scientists. 
You're the scientist. So I will love it. And let me work on it because I know that you would like to have that conversation as well. Yes? Well, we certainly, we, we opened up the possibility with, with Kaufman a couple years ago and the email exchanges uh, stopped when he was not willing to have a discussion because I wouldn't just say, well, I'll, I'll yield to what you, what you think. Um, and so that then resulted in Young doing a, a conversation, wow. uh, Robert Young doing, yes. doing a conversation who, who me, what I would consider meandered off the track <laughs> of science considerably. And um, I, you know, this is where, you know, if you're, if you're in a class that I have and you're coming in and you're trying to say, well, everything in the class is mythical and wrong, then I would say, well, then you need to go find another class to go into because this class is about the science of this right. field. Okay, I hear um, And, I hear and he did that, and yeah. Right, but okay, but we know that Andy is a medical degree. Not, we'll, we'll take it one at a time. I'm gonna try to set something up so you and Andy can have a conversation and at the end of the conversation, it's not winner or loser. It's not a debate. It's a that's what that is what I want this series to be. Experts sure. being able to have a conversation. And at the end of the day, you guys can agree, agree on nothing, but still understand have a better understanding. See, when when you have that conversation, you don't have to agree, but at least the other person can have a better understanding of where you're coming from, and they can have an understanding, better understanding of where you're coming from. That is what happens with conversations. Unity within diversity. That is the only way humanity is going to survive. Not everybody on the planet is going to agree, and it's not about agreeing. It's about being able to have a conversation, and at the end of the day, still respect. For me, it's love and respect still love and respect that person at the end of the conversation and say, okay, well, I have a better understanding where you're coming from. I still don't agree with it, but I have a better understanding. It's uh, let's say they call it agree to disagree, but not have all this animosity. We don't need sure. the animosity is what I'm saying. So I, I, yeah. I, you know, so, and I love Andy. I love Judy. I love you. And you guys coming from all different scientifically. I'm like, it, I, I, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I'm just there to kind of try to bring these conversations together, but I'm not a scientist. I'm a layperson, And I've said this many times, I've been doing my show now seven years and I seven and a half years because my son transitioned on July 1st of 2014. And I launched my show six months after my son. And for me, and I know you're a scientist and you do your research for me, it comes from within. What something resonates from inside, it doesn't come from here. For me, it comes from my heart. And, and everybody that listens to me and knows me knows that's where it comes from. So what resonates with me as true comes from my heart. But what is so important to me is everyone speaking their truth and love and light and not having these debates and these bickering sessions. You know what I'm saying? So matter of fact, I could try that not just with, with I could do it with both. Like I said, I'm in close contact with Andy and Judy. So sure. not together, one-on-one. Sure. -on -one. You having a one-on-one yeah. -on -one conversation with Judy and having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Andy. Mm -hmm. And I can get that done. I can do that. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, in fairness, you know, that was, that was kind of part of what happened with the breakup of the group. Right. Was um, Judy making comments about snake venom mm-hmm. in the in remdesivir and the spike protein. And really what she did is she had Richard Bartlett and herself uh, take this to Brian Artist. Mm-hmm. And I ended up being part of a private conversation of about five or six other people with Brian Artist to try to address this with him. He didn't have any data. He didn't have any proof. He was frustrated. He was upset. His father-in-law had died uh, in hospital after receiving remdesivir. I get that. Judy's upset because her husband has passed away. I get that. I mean, those, I, I completely understand that. It's how you respond to that, you know, that, that old expression of how you get back up after being knocked down is, <clears throat> is a uh, telling mark of somebody. But Brian did not have data on that. And Judy didn't have data on that. And unfortunately, um, efforts to get that data out resulted in Judy doing a couple of things. First off, saying that uh, some of the data I was showing because it didn't show hydrogen nanotechnology had to be fake, had to be fraud is what she said. Um, But then she went in Houston, she went off. Uh, and attacked Peter McCullough and uh, Robert Malone and said they didn't know how to treat patients. They wouldn't listen to her because she was a woman, um, that they didn't know how to prescribe drugs, that she was a chemist and she knew, and and they didn't understand biochemistry. And I had to say, Judy, um, you have to have biochemistry to get into medical school. We know how to prescribe drugs. A chemist doesn't. you know, oh, you're you're now attacking my colleagues without them being here, right? Yeah, right. And I and okay. I honestly don't want to get into the details of the I want, like I said, I want to set it up where you actually right. you and Judy. And again, we're it's gonna be a conversation on this show. It's not gonna be any <laughs> argument, it's not gonna be any attacks, it's a, it's gonna be a conversation. And you guys can say whatever you want and ask each other questions. It's a conversation. Like that's why I wanted to make sure when when I were talking earlier and there was things I I didn't agree on, but I wanted to let you know that you and I are having a conversation. This is a great first episode to the series. Now there was something you said, and I wrote it down, but I know what you had said. um, You had said about silverware not sticking to somebody. Hold on. Right. Hold on. I was in a meeting. I was in a meeting with some, uh, it's a truth and freedom group, local group that we meet once a month. And there's a young woman in there. She's got to be in her mid thirties, mid to late thirties. She was in the military. She had in the military, she had to get all these injections. She showed me, she picked up a fork, a metal fork, put it right here and it stuck. Silverware is sticking to this woman. Okay. Right. So and I saw that, it with my the, own eyes. Right. Okay. The premise, the premise that people have had on that, and I've seen people do that. Okay. The premise was that it's because of the graphene oxide. <clears throat> okay. And the reality is they've been wearing they've been putting using graphene oxide as a filtering part of the processing for vaccines for years, but we haven't seen people walking around with silverware attached to themselves. Okay. 
Okay. Well, she's like, look right. at this. I'm like, okay. Right. But prior to this, we've not seen anybody do that, right? Okay. And and there's all sorts of questions that have popped up. So my response to that has been, again, part of what I just said, which is, if the excuse or the explanation is that it's graphene oxide, then please explain to me why this has not happened previously with vaccines that also use graphene oxide in the processing, right? It hasn't happened. Well, this lady <clears throat> did not have the COVID shot. She was in the re she's had a lot of shots because she was in the military, but she did not mm -hmm. have the COVID shots. And from being from the shots that she got in the military, right. she's able to stick silverware on her chest. Right. Well, and all I can say is I don't know. First off, I don't know if that happened. I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here, okay. which is I tell my, my children, <clears throat> somebody runs into the room and says there are two women outside um, lying in the street. They've been hit by a, uh, a bus. They had babies with them. The babies are on the ground and they're bleeding. What do you know? So let me ask you that question. What do you know? Uh, someone's been hit by a bus, the baby's on the ground and it's bleeding. And they're bleeding. No. What? Okay. All you know is that somebody came in and told you that. <clears throat> oh, yes. Could have been, okay. could have been people dressed up in a wig. It could right. have been dolls. It could have been ketchup. It could have been a truck. It might have been somebody who was asleep in the other room and just woke up with a terrible dream and was and was convinced they'd seen that. It right. could be somebody who's running into the room who wants to see if you'll run out so they can steal your purse. Right. It could be a variety of things. All right. you know is that someone just told you that. So you mean That's her telling you know. me that she was in the military? I know she <clears throat> right. got COVID shot, but I did witness her. Uh, I did witness a fork sticking to her. Okay. But now what I'm telling you is that all I know is that you're telling me that you witnessed, okay? So, so you're questioning so, my honesty. No, I'm questioning a variety of things, right? Okay. And okay. so what I would tell you as a, as, a, as a research scientist is if I were to be in that situation looking at it, mm -hmm. I would ask questions if this is really happening. Is this a positional thing? Was there something else going on with the skin or the silverware? that made it sticky. Is there some type of magnetic field here that I can measure? I mean, this is what I would do before I would conclude that the woman is actually putting silverware there and it's sticking, I would ask questions and, and I would demand answers of myself because if I turn around and say, yeah, this is happening, I would like to think that people look and say, well, if Dr. Fleming says that this is happening, this is not somebody who just tells me something. He has to have evidence, scientific evidence of this happening, which is why I never took the vaccines to begin with because mm -hmm. there was no scientific evidence right. to prove it would be a benefit. While right. my colleagues, many of them said, well, we get vaccinated. This is a vaccine. This is, yeah, we're going to tell our people to do that. Why? Mm -hmm. You didn't demand scientific evidence Mm -hmm. in the documents to prove that right okay. right okay. we don't know if they did that data right. now they might have done that data and not wanted that data there mm -hmm. or maybe had other issues with it right I mean, this is what runs through my brain mm -hmm. 
-hmm. when I get into those scenarios and I listen to it. So right. I and it's not a matter, it's not a matter of calling somebody else a liar or or anything else. Mm -hmm. Um it's a matter of going, I would need, you know. We, we did other things like uh, they taught us when I was a medical student. If somebody tells you to treat a patient because there's a problem, what do you do? The yeah. first thing you do is you make Examine. certain for yourself that that patient actually has that has problem. A problem. Right. You have to right? examine the person. The right. Patient. Yes. Yes. So just because somebody else interprets a test a certain way mm -hmm. doesn't mean I would interpret the test that way. I mean, that's one of the benefits of this patent that I have. Right. It's not a visual test. I mean, it okay. provides visual things for you as a human to look at, mm -hmm. but it's a quantitative measurement test correcting for errors in the equipment mm -hmm. so that if you don't see what it says is there, it doesn't matter. It's there okay. um, because I've had all sorts of instances where with the nuclear scans that I've run on people that the people who trained me, we would try to look at other physicians and say, you don't see that heart disease right there and they don't see it. Okay. They literally don't see it. You brought up something that I definitely, you brought it up and this, I'm so glad you brought this up because um, in all these vials of different um, shots of three, <clears throat> Pfizer, Moderna and Janssen, I know you examine many vials but you didn't examine all of them. And so you're saying that other people, other scientists that are examining the files, they're not seeing what they say they're seeing. Uh, that, that, like, why? Well, I mean, you're seeing okay. what you're seeing, yes. But how right. can you say this other doctor, this other scientist did not see what they saw? Right, okay. So good question. So let's answer the question. Um, to begin with, for the vials that I have, I have 60 hours worth of recorded material of people looking at the vials, identifying the vials, proving they're sealed, proving they're in the condition they're supposed to be, the mm -hmm. syringes and everything else. So it's all available for people to see, number one. Right. So there is literally 60 hours worth of you're seeing everything that we're not seeing from other people, number one. Okay. Number two, <clears throat> when they're saying they're seeing graphene oxide, and you look at the slide and it's not graphene oxide. Okay. Because I've taken slides and put graphene oxide so you can see it. Mm -hmm. You know it's not graphene oxide, right? Okay. If somebody says that's a cow and then you bring up a cow and it's not the same thing, mm -hmm. you should say that's not a cow, that's right. a cat, okay? Right. They have four legs and a tail, but yeah. it's not a cow, right? Right, right, right. Um, the air bubbles that they're talking about that are nanotechnology, mm -hmm. those are air bubbles. You can, you can even Google what an air bubble looks on a wet mouth, and mm -hmm. it's the exact same thing. The hydras that certain individuals that are well-loved talk about mm -hmm. are epidermal hair plants. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you look at an epidermal hair on a microscope slide, it looks exactly like their hydra. There was one guy from Poland who sent me a whole bunch of nasty emails because he's the guy who says, I'm showing you this Hydra. And then he shows it and it's, it's 30 meters long. Now I wanna ask how something, I don't, I, uh, so a meter is about a yard, right? Mm -hmm. 39.37 inches or 39.36, I don't remember, right. inches long. 
90 meters long. How that thing is inside that vial. Yeah. Okay. I get so when the guy's going, I see me, I'm 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 your hero. Well, if, if you had somebody out there who's going, I'm your hero, first off, you should be going, um, no, no, you probably aren't my hero. Okay, heroes don't do that. Okay. Okay. Number one. Number two, how did you get something 90 meters long stuck into a solution that you can't see it in the solution? And now you're telling me it was in the Pfizer container? I hear no, it. no, I'm thinking you might be wrong. Okay. Mm -hmm. I do. I understand so, what you're saying. Have I looked at all the all the vials on the planet? No, I've okay. absolutely not. In fact, the joke is in mm -hmm. medical. Uh, when I was a medical student, uh, the answer was, "How do you know you've taken enough blood to actually tell the patient exactly what their sodium level, for example, is, given mm -hmm. the error that can exist in the measurement of sodium?" And the answer is, it takes about the equivalent of all of the blood in the human body. Which at that point in time, you have to say. You gotta well, kill the baby. then they're dead, right? <laughs> right, right? So you have to say, okay, how accurate are we measuring here? This is this is accurate enough to to make a decision for a patient. You know, if they're hyponatremic, their sodium is too low, and they're seizing. Yeah, it, it might be low. It might be low. That that number might be right. You know, um, so you can't. You're not going to sample everything unless you're going to sample everything, right? right? And and if you've got that time, hey, go for it. Knock yourself out. Um, I'm oh, there's happy no for way you to go anyone. Do it. Yeah, there's no way right. one right. person could examine every single vial on the planet. Right. Of course not. But so, what the other, you know, and yeah, the other yeah, thing. Go ahead. The, the again, the 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 important thing of this conversation that we're having is that. The, the you you do say from your reading the your research your research of the vials that you've researched 60 hours mm -hmm. of what the EUA documents you have you determined that these um, injections are not beneficial not beneficial you yourself haven't taken any I would say definitely a hundred percent of the speakers would agree on that correct? That I haven't taken it? Yeah. No, no, no. A hundred. <laughs> no. What I'm saying is a hundred percent of the speakers would agree that taking these injections are not beneficial. And so that was, um, just, that was way too easy to do to you. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I think that probably, although I don't know everybody, I mean, when you say the speakers, I, you know, well, I, I don't mean, know I, if there's somebody out there, right? Right. I'm talking about the speakers on, I would just say our side of the fence, which I don't like to even say that, you know, but. Right. I think that, I think that that is, yeah, I, I try not to look at it that way. Mm -hmm. um, because again, you know, I, I have spent a fair amount of time um, uh, addressing what I consider misrepresentations on both sides of the fence. Mm -hmm. Because my job here isn't um, in the end to do anything but get to the truth and to try to um, figure out who's lying to whom or who's misrepresenting to whom. Mm -hmm. And if that is for nefarious reasons to hold those people accountable. Right, right. Um, I view that as, that's my obligation as a scientist and as a physician 
I'd like to think that's my obligation as an attorney, but the reality is attorneys don't really care whether they're right or wrong. They just care about winning. Mm, yeah. So that, that's one of the distinctions um, between medicine, dentistry, and law is that, you know, in a medicine and dentistry world, you have to be right or the patient suffers or can suffer. In law, they don't, again, I, I have a law degree, so I can make this statement, <laughs> you know, beating up on myself. Um, it's not a matter of whether they're right or wrong. They just want to win. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and unfortunately, I mean, that's, you know, it's kind of like uh, the question of, uh, I remember when somebody raised the issue of justice when I was a law student and the professor just laughed, you know, which, you know, is, is pretty justice. sad when, when you get right down to it. Um, <clears throat> but uh, that is, that's the major distinction. So it is important to be right in mm-hmm. science and, and medicine. Um, and I've spent, I, I've had people come to me at conferences and say, Dr. Fleming, that's not what you said 10 years ago. And I look at them and I think, you need a better hobby. Um, because if following me around the country is what you, or the world is, is your hobby. You, you have a very bad hobby. You need to find something much more entertaining and, and fun, um, to do, but, I frequently, you know, I just look at the people and say, yeah, you know, and if you want to know what I'm going to say in two years, come back and, and visit because I have no idea until I'm doing the research what where I'm going with this mm-hmm. uh, because I'm going to follow the truth. There's there's two ways to kind of do this. There's, a, my opinion, a lot of people who have, this is the truth they want. So they try to manipulate everything that's seen to support that truth. I agree with and, you. I really don't do that because uh, I have no problem uh, with people coming up to me and going, well, that's not what you said five years ago. Yeah. Um, good and, for you. And you said um, and, it, it and, changed, uh, whatever. Yeah. Um, well, it's, yeah, and it's not that the truth changes, it's that the knowledge yeah. base that leads right, to it. Right, right, um, the science changes. I'm not saying the truth changes, the science You know, I, 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 sometimes, I sometimes tease people and say, you know, there's, so there's, the blood flow equation for human coronary arteries, I wrote, it's a quadratic function. And, uh, you know, after, after writing it and uh, <clears throat> t- telling people about it for some time, it, it dawned on me that, you know, I did that with about six months and 40% of the world's data in a computer system. Uh, and these guys, Pasui, a lot of people pronounce it Pasui, but it's Pasui. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and his colleagues did this in, in the middle of France with rigid glass tubes mm-hmm. uh, without air conditioning and a computer. And they figured out it was a quadratic function. Now, it's, it's, it's a little bit more complicated than that. But, you know, I, I was only 150 years to catch up, right? And, and uh, you know, the uh, change in tissues that we've measured with what's become known as Fleming method, because FMTBDM, the acronym I gave it was too long apparently, mm-hmm. um, measures this this uh, quadratic uh, function also that uh, cellular tissue undergoes to become a cancer, mm-hmm. and you know Laird uh, and uh, his colleague predicted that in the mid 1900s. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't until we measured it that we we kind of proved it. So I've kind of chuckled and said, "Well, I'm only 50 years behind now." So if I keep, if I live long enough, I might catch up to myself with with the information that we're doing. Um, but science uh, science accelerates 
uh, we no longer live in the 1860s. We no longer live with Cook's postulates. Um, we we are much more sophisticated than that. I, I agree with you. It's not the 1800s, yeah. but also it's interesting to- Although Cook's postulates, yeah. yeah Coach, right. I, I agree. We don't live in the 1800s, but I also would <clears throat> love for- the virologist to break down the procedures, but we're not going to go into that. We got far, far yeah. too deep into the science because I am yeah. not a scientist. But here's what it is: my awakening, <laughs> my yeah. awakening, came from science. It came right. from quantum physics. I teach science all the time from a, a layman's point of view, and I know that with our human senses, our five human senses. Mm -hmm we can detect 0.035%, and I think that's high, of what is actually <laughs> around us. Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? Well, because, because in, in physics, um, it turns out that most of this, so there's, um, you ever heard of the double slit experiment? Oh, I, 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 years ago. <clears throat> Yes, the way. Okay. Yes. So the the yes. right. Well, the important thing about the the double slit experiment, or at least one of the important things about that, is that it is the observation that is made upon something that changes the something. Exactly. And so you you really um it, with your zero point zero three five. I don't know if that was a percent or whatever. Right. Yes. Zero point three five percent. That that interaction alters what you're actually trying to measure. Right, the observer. Yeah. Yes, I understand that. I yeah. understand that. I understand quantum physics from the core principle that everything is energy. That energy is inter interconnected and interdependent, and but it's one frequency. It's, I'm not sorry, said that wrong. It's one energy that's vibrating at different frequencies. And it has been proven that we, our physical body, which we are not, we have a body, but we're not our body. Um, it, it can't, so that's why I say everything for me, I don't filter through the mind because the mind is limited. My mind is limited to what I've learned, what I've read, what I've heard. That's very limited. My heart and soul is, it, is, it knows everything. And I filter everything for me. I'm not telling anybody. Mm -hmm. I always say to people, I'm not telling people what to do. I'm telling people right. how I live my life. Like I said to you, when it comes to people wearing masks or people having the vax, I never put them down. I, I look at them and love. Uh, if people are unaware, if people roll up their sleeve and have no idea what's being injected into their body, I think of them as a baby. You know, like, okay, they're unaware of what they're doing to themselves. But I have nothing but love and light. I have nothing but love and light for everybody on the planet. I know that everything is happening in perfect divine timing. I know that light frequency is much more powerful than the dark frequency. So it only takes a little bit of light to shine through the darkness. So that's the kind, that's the kind of science I know and I teach. So I'm not a researcher, I'm not a doctor, but I I, many people have come up to me, I've done many talks, many people have come up to me at the end and said, it's the first time I can understand science, because I teach it on that, and I teach it from the core of quantum, it was quantum physics 
that gave me my awakening in 2007. I don't know if you've ever heard of the documentary, What the Bleep, but there was one sentence that, and it wasn't a scientist who said it, Lynn McTaggart, who is a journalist. She said, the biggest problem in this world today is the illusion of separation. And when I thought about something woke up inside of me, it was not um, an intellectual awakening. It was a heart and soul awakening, knowing that that simple statement, that because we think we're separate, because we think things are separate, we think, okay, I can kill this person across the street. I can kill this person across the country because that person is separate from me. That person is not separate from you. Nothing is separate. We are all one. That's why I said I have nothing but love for Anthony Fauci. And I'm thanking him for humanity's awakening because what he and his cohorts are doing is waking up humanity. So that's kind of, that's kind of where I live. So, but it's like, as far as the science research and stuff like that, but it's also the observer, like you said, it's the, uh, the and that's why the, science the scientists that have these disagreements, I'm like, realize, respect each other. You don't have to agree, but you can respect each other. You, you should love each other. But if you can't love each other, at least respect each other and stop having, especially when we're trying to, we're trying to, we all have the same goal. Crimes against humanity has been happening, but more than just the past two years, for many, many years, crimes have been happening. And we, the, the perpetrator of these, the perpetrators of these crimes, I say need to go to jail for life. I don't believe in capital punishment, but I, I believe there's a lot, to me, what I'm witnessing is genocide, global genocide right now. And I, I feel it's more so happening with the shot than the original whatever it was. That, that's my, my thoughts. So you can chime in. Fair enough. <laughs> no, that's, I think that's a great way to, I hate to say it, but to, to wrap it up because it's been going on for more than two hours. And, okay. Yeah. And I will sure. definitely, we will definitely stay in touch because like I said, I want to have more of these, not me have more one-on-one -on -one with you, but other scientists and other doctors have a conversation. That's important. And please tell our listeners again, your, your website and how they can follow your work. Um, so probably two things I should mention, Crimes Against Humanity Tour, which is all one word, is not my website, but it's the website of the tour and what we're trying to accomplish mm -hmm. to um, inform people about the virus and a variety of other issues and where this came from and who's responsible for and the crimes they've committed. So that's important for people to know. Go to that website, take a look at it. Um, people can go to the events. They can live stream some of the events. They can donate if they if, if they want to, you know, to because I don't get this is going to NASA and NISA uh, that are from South Africa over here in the U.S. trying to help. Um, and then my website is FlemingMethod.com, and you can't donate a dime there or a penny there because I'm not interested in your money. I didn't put it together for your money. Um, I'm not doing this for money. Um, <laughs> lots of other fun things that I could be doing if that was it. Um, so those are the two uh, uh, two scenarios. Uh, the website has in the center of it uh, a call for indictments that you can uh, go to that link, download it, 
put a little cover letter to your attorney general or district attorney and say, hi, my name is so-and-so, I live in your area, or I don't live in your area, and you send it to attorney generals in some other state. However, this, this letter for indictment has some important material for you to look at, which includes um, a link for an affidavit that I put together, mm -hmm. a link to a video that I did under deposition, uh, under oath, mm -hmm. um, as well as the book, COVID-19, a bioweapon, um, mm -hmm. because, you know, that was put together for two purposes, to help explain to people where these monies came from, who was involved, who's responsible, and also for use with the grand jury, which is a term <clears throat> for criminal indictments. It's not something that you're doing outside of criminal. It has nothing to do with civil litigation or anything else. It, um, uh, so it, it's where we want these attorney generals or district attorneys to actively get involved, take that information to a group of people that are sequestered, set aside for listening to information and say, yeah, there is enough information here to show that there are some people that have committed crimes that should be held accountable by we the people. Yes. Um, totally at least in the United States, other countries, um, I, I encourage you to do whatever you can in those systems, but it starts, I think, in the United States. Yes. So I, those are the two sites. Crimes, go ahead. Crimes I, I Against Humanity Tour and then something else. The other thing you just said that we didn't say earlier is I believe, I know, I believe that these shots mm. are a bioweapon. Is that also on your... Yeah, so I've, I've, you know, I've just, I've, I've sorry, I, I've just stated it very clearly. The gain-of-function viruses are biological weapons. Right. Encoding for the same thing um, may have been put together differently, but it's still a biological agent, right? It's a biological weapon. If it codes for the same thing, that you made uh, that is a gain-of-function bioweapon, then it's also a bioweapon. It's just a different way of doing it. Right. Okay. Okay. So we agree there. Totally agree. And now yeah. they're aiming these these bioweapons <clears throat> at six months old. Six months. Six months Right. Old. So that right. is... You know, and... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I mentioned up front that doing this for the elderly and the older individuals who already had the comorbidities was going to be just that maybe potential final step doing it to uh, our frontline people our emergency medical people or our police our fire our military just um made no sense when there wasn't any benefit shown i mean do it to the general population didn't make any sense doing it to our children doesn't make any sense i mean you know all you had to do was then again listen to the fda meeting where they said, you know, we won't know what it does to the children until we do it to the children. That. Well, that's kind of what they did in Nazi Germany. You know, yes. we won't know what it does until we do it. And and wrapping your brain around it full scale took Hitler and the Nazis um, six to seven years to kill off six million, seven million people. We've done that in a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and it's you it, know and like you like I said, they're take, aiming this bioweapon at babies. <clears throat> It's yep. just, it, it, it's as a mother and a grandmother, it's just, I, that's why I say, that's why, I, that's why the whole reason I'm saying we have to look at the big picture and that's the big picture that they're <clears throat> using a bioweapon on entire, the whole, entire world population and now even our babies. So we right. have to put a stop to that. So actually I can read to you the number eight, there must be an immediate stop 
to these COVID injections worldwide, the mass murderers responsible for global genocide must be in prison for life. That was my number eight. So I think everybody- Well, we, we actually worked with some people to get on the, uh, I just have my PowerPoint open up here to try to address oh, sure. some of the different issues. And we had placed in the Republican platform, and I'm not Republican or Democrat because I don't personally think that I can trust any of them, um, <laughs> included in the uh, Republican Texas platform for 2022, a resolution which was unanimously approved <clears throat> by all the people at the convention, which states that the Republican platform for 2022 in the state of Texas states we call for the banning of gain-of-function research in Texas that makes a naturally occurring pathogen more infective or more deadly. We support investigations and indictments of those who participate in funding, developing, introducing, or releasing gain-of-function pathogens. Exactly. Perfect. But not just those pathogens. Now they're injecting. It's got, there's got to yeah. be a stop to these injections. And yes. It, it, and, and now, especially, oh, I just heard um, from a friend in, I live in Pennsylvania. I just heard from a friend in New York, the mayor in New York said the children cannot go back to school in the fall without these right. biological, these, these uh, biological um, um, bioweapons injection. And I said, every parent in New York City needs to pull their child out of school. We have the power. Well, I, I would argue that long before that, everybody listening to this program needs to download that letter for indictment, mm -hmm. put a cover letter to it, and send it in as many times to many AGs, attorney generals in the states, and district attorneys that they can think of over and over and over again until they decide that it's better to just go ahead and convene a grand jury and get this started because right. people are dying. I get you. And but if say by September, if it hasn't, say we haven't gotten an AG, I'm like even thinking, why is not Florida AG or Texas AG hasn't taken up the sore? But if we in September come day one of school and they saying you we must turn your child into a guinea pig, I'm like, hell no, don't send your child to that school. <laughs> All right, this is yes, let's we will stay in touch. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Thank okay. you so much. My much pleasure. love and appreciate. Send me a link, please. I will. Thank you. I definitely will. Okay. My best. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Mm, it's not okay. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 -chumba. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch 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 -chumba. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.